0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is the twenty sixth of May of twenty twenty one. I'm mm-hmm. Nick here with Chris. It's a manga day. Yeah. Although, when manga resides in your heart,
1: every day is a manga day.
0: Yeah. yeah. And if you don't bleed black and white and tones of gray, then uh, <laughs> then you just got to wait for Wednesdays. You know, those are the manga associated days, I'm sure, for people, because that's when we talk about manga. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Nothing else happens on Wednesdays. Particularly no, this Wednesday, nothing else is that's happening.
0: It's true. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the first time in years we had to be like, damn, I'm missing you know, wrestling. But <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm missing out on basketball, I could be mildly interested in. <laughs> oh, I, I, like, I've, I've been. Like, Who are these players? <laughs> I've been reading uh, Kuroko no Basket recently. Oh, okay. And uh, it's quickly reminded me about how little I know about the sport of basketball at all. Sure. Because they started explaining the positions, and I sat there for a moment. and I was like, "Oh, what position Michael Jordan was? Oh, shooting guard." I don't know what position Kobe Bryant was. Oh, shooting guard. Shooting guard. Oh, I wonder what position uh, LeBron James is. Oh, shooting guard. Basically, all the big ones were shooting guards. It's like, okay, this makes uh, you know, it's all starting to come together.
0: I think that people have said that like LeBron should not be a shooting guard based on his size or something like that, but whatever. Like I mean it's I have no yeah. idea. I just I typed what was blank
1: position mm-hmm. and Google told me they were all shooting guards except for Shaq. And I was like, he's a center, I believe. It's they the they have to be the big tall ones.
0: Small forward. <laughs> you know, he's the guy that, you know, he he mobilely thieves the offense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Shaq, that's what he's been known for, is his My mobility.
0: Guy. kuroko no basket replicated exactly but with shaquille o'neal and (laughs) kuroko where did he go it's just literally in the shadow
1: of the man (laughs) oh well you snuck up on me like are you sure because the scene was shaking for several minutes until (laughs) he got there
0: like you just like do one of the like dramatic zoom is like, where did they go? I can't track them anymore. <laughs> Meanwhile, a shadow is looming. <laughs> the...
1: <laughs> Just stomping away with the ball. Got it.
0: <laughs> All right, it's time for my signature assist plays.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> That's
0: an assist, right?
1: <laughs> Just destroying the gymnasium.
0: Oh, man. It sounds great. I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to start writing it. You have
1: first dibs. No one else can.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Guys, we have manga to talk about this week. Um, It is most of our usual series, uh, plus a few of our irregular stuff. Uh, I have not been in a very good black cat reading mood, unfortunately, recently. So I need to catch up on that still. But we should be ready to cover that next week, I think. Uh Um, And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it right now. Yeah, new recommendation next time. Bye like next time. We're gonna go through our regular series. And we're gonna kick off with My Hero Academia. It's chapter number 313, high speed long range mobile cannon, which sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card.
1: I was gonna like, say that... it's it's either a Yu-Gi-Oh! card or a 40k unit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I guess if it were a Yu-Gi-Oh card, it would be like high speed long-range mobile cannon and then a really stupid name. After that,
1: yeah, get that's the same thing. Th- that's the same thing with forty k. You just okay, add, okay. you just had or some f- bullshit
0: behind it. Ziggurag, exactly, rock, That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Ziggurag, rock. Um, speaking of silly names, we find out at the beginning of this chapter that the uh, souped-up car that All Might's driving around is called Hercules. <laughs> so, um, did. did...
1: Your parents ever named their cars when you were a kid?
0: Um, not really. Uh, when my mom got a Mustang uh, uh, when I was a teenager, one of her friends suggested calling it Eduardo. Um, but I don't think that that ever actually stuck. So
1: uh, My mom named all of her cars and she kept giving them these very ambitious names like faith and hope and every one of those cars died in like a year it was it started reaching the point where you're just like adequate just (laughs) call this car adequate and see if it lasts over a year
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, my last car uh i had it for a long time starting in high school and my friend named it jethro and I, and I was like, "That's I'll, I'll stick with that. It's a pretty nice, straightforward name. And I call, I actually call my current car Dongo after mm. Fondongo from WWE oh, okay. with the logic of it thinks that it's sexy, but it's really just weird uh, because it's this really weird orange, like somewhere halfway between a car and an SUV.
1: So it was a very eclectic car. I like it.
0: Yeah. And it's like it, it's even weirder once you like sit inside of it because like the dashboard looks really weird. So
1: so see, so, All Might's not so strange after all. I didn't call my car Hercules, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'd only accept it if you call your car that, but every time you refer to it, you do it in the Hercules Hercules kind of cadence. <laughs>
0: So he's having this dramatic chase scene. He's like, any car besides Hercules would have been blown away <laughs> No, he has
1: to say it twice. Hercules. Hercules, I do it twice.
0: <laughs> or he'll like try and finish the sentence and he has to like, would have been blown to bits. Hercules. <laughs> he's just like fitted it. Squeezed it in. <laughs> he's Squeeze
1: it in like, That's fine. Look, just like when uh, Chris Jericho interrupted Booker T trying to say, can you dig it, sucka? And... An hour and a half of Raw passed before Booker T came back and finished the sucker line. It's fine as long as it gets completed.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> it's great. You waited the entire thing, and then right before Jericho's match, Booker T just shows up Sucka! Oh, Booker T was the best.
0: That's beautiful. I wish that, like, wrestling would, like, do that more. It's like, hey, we set up something in the first half of the episode. Let's do something in the second half of the episode that pays it off. <laughs> I think they reward people for watching the show
1: I think in and we're on such a random tangent at this point but it's fine I I like to believe that it like the higher-ups at WWE don't actually believe people watch Raw they believe pod people are birthed and spawned in each hour of the show so by the Mm. time hour two shows up it's a completely different audience that's watching as opposed to the first hour and the third hour
0: is the same I'm sure that occasionally someone pops up and is like, shouldn't we like, you know, try and retain the audience segment to segment? And then someone's just like, look at the numbers we do on YouTube. And they're like, "Okay, fine. So. (laughs) All right. Another Bobby Lashley cucking
1: storyline.
0: Fine. Fine. I guess we'll just keep on making YouTube ad revenue. And then that that will. So. (laughs) Anyway, the reason that he is referring to his car as Hercules is that All Might is is being attacked by the people who chucked the freaking grenade at his car before. And fortunately, this is basically the Batmobile, so it's survived it just fine. Uh, And the guys jump out in order to attack him. And All Might's immediately like, I sense clear murderous intent. I mean, yeah, they threw a grenade at your car. I mean, that kind of... (laughs) Ruins any chance of actually robbing stuff if you do that. <laughs> um, so all might realizes that what's going on is that uh, they are trying to draw him away from Deku. Uh, and he immediately concludes like he's being targeted by an assassin. So he's a danger. Uh, he then jumps out of the armored vehicle because it's apparently not armored enough. It'll survive a grenade just fine. But if you throw a spear at it, oh, boy. Uh, it looks like it's like a rocket propelled spear. So, I mean, there true. is that. And it penetrates the windshield. So, uh, the, the, and then of course, since he jumped out of the, out of the car, he, you know, goes off and crashes. The guys who attack him recognize him as all might, but immediately one of them is like, well, come on. You know, he, he's, he's lost all his power. The real all might died a long time ago. So they're like, all right, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's get, kill this guy. But all might just starts to get up after, Throwing himself out of a moving vehicle, by the way. And he just says, stand aside. And uh, immediately they hesitate. And All Might flashes back to when he promised Inko that he would protect Deku with his own life. And All Might stands up and says that Deku has borne much more than I have ever. A burden I forced on him. And still he idolizes me. The day anything happens to that kid is the day I die. And uh, the guys who have attacked him see this skinny scarecrow man standing up and talking shit, and uh, they fall on their asses in terror. So this is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's still quite a bit of the of the uh, old All Might in him. So Deku's come up with a plan to fight Lady Nagant, which is, I'll just bum rush her and I'll dodge around so she can't shoot me. All right, fair enough. Um, but as he is approaching her and he's trying to like serpentine between buildings and stuff, suddenly uh, a bullet comes streaking towards him from behind. He has to whip around and kick it out of the air. And then while he's still in the follow-through motion of doing that, another bullet nearly hits him from below and grazes across his torso. And deck is like, how the hell did this happen? How, how, how did a bullet come at me from behind? I knew her position. And then she realizes, oh, right. All for one gave her another quirk. And we see that uh, Lady Dagon's new quirk, Airwalk, is pretty much exactly how it sounds. She can just walk across the air. So very useful for repositioning. Mm. And uh, Deku realizes that contrary to his expectations, which were, I'll bum rush the sniper so that, you know, I can deal with her up close. Uh, He's actually led himself into even more danger because being closer means that she can fire stuff at him more rapidly. Uh, And she has more control over the directions the bullets can take because she can curve them around in a tighter space. Uh, So Deku decides that the next thing he needs to do is change up his tactics. So he launches himself towards the ground uses the sixth one for all wielders quirk to lay out a smoke screen. And uh, as he does this um, ghosts in his head, start talking to him. And while I have to say, I have to cut myself off here to say, while this conversation is going on, because essentially they're just discussing tactics with him. I went, please don't make this a thing because if this happens, In every Deku fight scene, or even every important Deku fight scene from now on, this is going to get really boring and annoying. Mm. Just having people show up and be like, well, I think you should do this, or I'll be careful about this. And it's just going to be like, you know, peanut gallery stuff in his own head. For characters, we don't really give a shit about.
1: I was going to say, it's like the sports manga uh, bench section. But all inside Deku's mind, constantly talking, who's just like, wait a minute, you're going to use that technique? Like, hey, guys, no one else could hear us. We don't have to be vague. We can just say whatever we want.
0: I mean, it's a it's a pretty, you know, common thing in a lot of in action series of all ilks to have, like, someone explaining what's going on as it's happening. But, you know, within the series itself, at least when, like, you know was observing the class, or All Might is observing Deku, or one of Deku's classmates is observing him, or whatever. It's like, alright, at least I know who this character is, and like give a shit about them. As opposed to, alright, here's this other ghost in his head that we don't really know a whole lot about, other than what we've been told about them. So, and that we're not really going to see it, you know, much from, other than their interactions with him. So... Deku decides that the next thing he needs to do is start using a third quirk simultaneously, which is not something that he has been doing up until this point. He's just been using his kind of general one for all abilities in conjunction with one quirk at a time uh, from the other uh, wielders. But he's and so he's going to add a third one. And in addition to that, he's going to use one that he doesn't have mastery of. And everyone's kind of telling him. This is a bad idea, and he's like, yeah, I've got to do it right now, though, because I can't afford it. But Aang,
1: you haven't mastered water bending yet. You can't attempt something on that level.
0: Yeah. it's. Yeah. They're telling you, oh, you're not ready for this. like, I have to be, though. Shonen. <laughs> <laughs> it's been
1: literally a month and a half since I unveiled a new power. People will be getting bored.
0: Yeah, it's... uh. Deku is going to use the third's quirk, Fa-jin, which I don't really have any idea what that could possibly mean. And we don't really get an idea of what it does when he uses it in this chapter. So if he uses it for that matter, um, we cut to Lady Nagan who is floating up in the air. It's kind of a cool shot because We see that because, you know, the sniper rifle is growing out of her arm that she also can manipulate where the scope goes. So it's kind of going all the way backwards up into her eye, so that she can comfortably hold it in different positions. It's a cool detail. Mm. Um, And uh, so she's been under the impression this whole time. Oh, Deku's hiding in the smoke screen. So I'll just be able to spot him when he comes out of it. Uh, So she fires at the first thing she sees coming out of it. But it's a decoy. Deku took some of his clothes off. Oh, no. Uh so she starts to think well what is he up to but she just kind of moves her gun arm around in quick succession and just kind of fires at anything that she sees that's coming out of the smoke screen but it's like his backpack his mask his scarf thing uh and she's determined not to let him get away but then there is a rumble sound effect and Deku suddenly is bursting up out of a building and comes out through the roof and grabs her non-gun arm and says, too bad, I'm not in the smoke. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a cool action shot because of like, it's a really interesting pose that they're in and a cool angle that it's you're seeing it from. And you do kind of put together like, okay, the smoke screen went out through some buildings. use used that to get into one of the buildings and then come up through that. Cool. I have no idea what this whole third quirk thing was about, though, because you, there's no way of telling what the fuck he did.
1: So. Uh, well, Fajin is like a, a term used in Chinese martial arts. Essentially, think like Bruce Lee's one inch punch, like a hyper compression of discharge discharging power kind of explosively, which kind of feels unnecessary when he already yeah. has super strength. Yeah. Because it looks like he just jumps up straight through the building. Like, that's that's the way that Art kind of seems to make it look, because he explodes out of the roof. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Maybe it's like a way to combine it to move very, very quickly. Maybe this is like their way of justifying him getting an instant transmission or a flash step
0: or, you know, whatever fucking thing you need to. I'm sure this is going to be like one of those things where it's like, well, listen, I had to come up with like seven other quirks. Okay. <laughs> how many can I put on this kid? Oh, uh, see. So he's got spider webs and he's got spider sense. Uh, what else does Spider Man do? Teleport? Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure in some variation. Uh, he
1: has a magic motorcycle. That's not Spider Man. Also, how was that a question?
0: Well, quirk? in a certain storyline, the a <laughs> spider shaking. Me. <laughs>
1: uh but it talks to him um it's you know this is a fine chapter i it's one of those things it's a little sad that the great torino uh cloak seems to be gone already that he threw that (laughs) i mean i guess it's just a bullet hole but hopefully that actually managed to stick around because i thought that was aesthetically a nice piece to tie his outfit together Mm -hmm. um but you know uh, it it generally is it works you know lady negant uh looked cool and then she was defeated presumably
0: yeah I mean it's 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 all all right chapter. The stand for me is is the stuff with All Might at the beginning. I uh, I, I
1: right. will say that I I have been digging the aesthetic of this this you know battle at night in the rain. Mm-hmm. It has been giving a nice contrast shade to all the action with this dark background and everything like that. I do really enjoy that. Yeah. It looks- it's all looked cool. All right, Nick. Let's talk about Undead Unluck. Number 64, As It Stands, I Am. So we pick up where we left off last time, where Shen is saying to Mui, could you be a deer and kill me? And uh, there was a lot of discussion about what that means. Mm -hmm. And the answer is, he means it exactly as literally as he says, you need to kill me.
0: Um, But we're going to (laughs) cheat.
1: Yeah. So basically, he describes that, hey, Andy Foucault, I need you guys to get the prayer bead artifact that Fang has on him. And then once you do, give it to Mui. And then, Mui, you're going to kill me while holding those beads, and I'll become a Zhang Shi, and then I'll be able to do your bidding. I'll be back stronger. I, I like the, you know. She immediately is like, no, you you'll become one of the, you know, a soldier of war with no will of your own. Besides, no one really knows what happens after you become a Jangxi. Like what you know, what will we do? And it wouldn't be a matter of bringing you back to life. Let's let's find a way to heal you instead. I I, I brought these pills, they're restorative artifacts I made for my own life force. And he's just like, movie my dear. Those only work when they're digested, and I love it as he just points, he's like, and as you see, I have a gigantic gaming hole in my chest cavity, so I don't think it's gonna work. So Mooey starts crying and just says, why did you bother to save me ever since you took me in? I've been nothing but trouble for you and I've done nothing, not a single thing for you in return. And Shen just says, why did I save you? And he starts thinking, he says, listen, Mui, untruth activation requirement. What do you think it is? She says, it's when you see a strong person who makes you want to fight them. He's like, yeah, that's what I thought at first, too. But that's not what it is. We go into a, a flashback of Shen having all these scenes happened before him and he says, "I've been living in a small world this whole time. Just me, my murdered sister and the man who killed her, which would make for a great sitcom on ABC, I think. Me, he, my murdered sister and the man who killed her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just says my world consisted of those three rules. But that was back before you came into the picture and suddenly all the sad scenes become him with mui and they're making dumplings and eating food and he says you helped me realize it for the very first time untruth's activation requirement it's to be fond of the person within my sight you were the first person i came to like without being strong or weak as a factor so i need to let you so i need you to let me protect you a little bit longer and we see that Fuko showed up, she got the prayer beads, doesn't matter how, she got them, throws them over, Fang's like, ah, I see, you. You, I see why you split up a draw wide open and now you'll die! Throws his his missile spear again, which, falling onto the heroes, they definitely should have stopped him from getting the missile spear again. <laughs> it was impaled in them, they should have just been like, oh, oh well. how did he get this again?! <laughs> And yeah. he
0: just goes over to fight him, and he's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the biggest issue is you can't keep letting Jack get the Shen Gong Wu over and over again. He's just going to yes. keep using the same ones. Now, he loses them most times, but he gets the same ones back, and that's an issue. So
0: Fortunately, he keeps on going for that monkey staff. Yeah, so, it's, uh, never, it's never it's worth
1: fair. it. Uh, so uh, Mui grabs it says, even if you change your appearance and you stop being you, I will continue to love you until my dying day. And the missile spear strikes, there's a gigantic explosion, Fang is smiling and saying, ah, luck is now dead, so now it's time for your true power to- Oh, and he's interrupted, as we see Shen has stopped the, uh, the spear and like, basically not slammed it into Summer, and he just says, it's mighty peculiar, all I did is come back to life, but I'm positive that as it stands, I'm the strongest I've ever been. And Shen has become a Jiangxi.
0: Yeah, his skin's a different shade, and he's got the uh, talisman yeah. dangling from his forehead. And his outfit's yeah. changed. He's got the hat yeah. and everything. Yep. Didn't oh, expect
1: man. this what? to happen.
0: Yeah, it was it was an unexpected turn. I mean, you know, I never would have expected Undead Unluck to have a hero that's, you know, undead. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But now they have two. Yeah, I, what the hell? Um, this is a great chapter. Yes. Uh, I really love some of the little touches in their conversation. Like, you know, you mentioned where uh, Mui is like, I've got these pills. Like, yeah, I <laughs> Can... need to those.
1: <laughs> giant, <laughs> <I know. laughs> giant, gaping wound currently
0: in my stomach. So. <laughs> I know it's it's funny there, but it's also sad because, you know, you can see this like desperation that she's acting with. Like, I don't want you to die, even though clearly you are basically dead right Um. now. And she's still kind of in denial about what they have to do. I'm sure that this turn is going to add some sort of a complication to uh, him as a character. But it's an interesting turn. And Hunted Dunluck has never been afraid to change things up. So
1: I mean, this potentially means he can't be part of the council anymore because he's dead. Yeah. And Mui isn't a gator, so they're going to need to replace his spot, potentially. I mean, who knows? I, I guess we might find out the rules of all
0: this. Who knows? But yeah. Um, and of course, you know, the battle thing is far from over. We still haven't seen his ability yet. Uh-huh. Um, It's um, and I do like because like, We've known about Untruth's activation requirement for a while now yes. at this point. Like it was like part of like the info dump when it started explaining his ability back when he It
1: was Spoil was,
0: Arc, I believe.
1: Or maybe uh, it was even when he first showed up with Unavoidable. I think it was during the Spoil Arc.
0: Okay. But either way, very early on, we've known what the actual activation requirement is. Um but It's interesting that because of the way Shen interacts with people, yeah, you could get that impression because the people he's most fond of are the ones that he wants to fight. Um, And so it's interesting to see that even this person who is as close to him as Mu, didn't know about that. Yes. Um, And it's also, you know, I keep on being like, oh, they're so cute and stuff. But it is really sweet to have him just say like, you're the person that I like that has nothing to do with wanting to fight them. it's very, it's a very sweet and it shows that they have a unique relationship, even Mm -hmm. separated from everything else. So it's uh, and then of course there's just like, I like how they put all the character interaction stuff front and center. And it's just like, How did they get the prayer piece? They just did. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think that's the best part. We don't need to. Maybe we'll do it as a
1: flashback next chapter or something like that. But right now, the important thing was like, we want these two to have their tender moment. Let's not break it up by having to have a show. Shonen fight to achieve something. They just got it. Here you go.
0: And then the final three, two page uh, spreads are very cool and cinematic in the way that they unfold. So very good chapter from top to bottom. Uh huh. All right. I'm trying to do that. Okay, yeah, I did read this chapter. All right, Boruto. Yeah,
1: Nick, how could you possibly forget? It's the the chapter where everything important happens. Uh, a bunch of twelve year olds had a fight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> That's it. Boruto, chapter number fifty eight. The right job for idiots and bastards. <laughs> Wait, was that the chapter title? Holy shit! It has nothing to do with what (laughs) happened to this chapter. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Features a two-page color spread of, like, all the important people right now, and also the people, the Konoha kids who aren't important in the background there. behind. What are you talking (laughs) about? Eno's kid
1: is one of the most significant characters in this series. How dare you?
0: Yeah, but not nearly as important as Sumire. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, she
0: has a crush on Boruto, don't you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> also, I love that we get a cover page to show off Code's aesthetic a little bit more. It helps to see him in a full-color page. He's not actually featured in this chapter, but oh. I, I will appreciate that the chapter does the next best thing and they talk about him a lot. That would be, like, Code's super strong and awesome.
0: I like how also Code is one of like two or three characters who realizes that he's in a group shot, uh, full well, spread, so he's like striking a model pose. He's yeah. got the one arm on the hip that's crooking the cape out, and he's like, Yeah, that's right, this is the height of fashion.
1: <laughs> he also wears open toed
0: sandals with leg warmers, <laughs> so he's got quite the eclectic fashion taste. What are you talking about, Chris? Rock Lee dressed like that, and he was supposed to be the most aesthetically pleasing member of all of That
1: is true, Rock Lee was a snack. So I guess I have to pull it back.
0: All right. Uh, we begin the chapter with Naruto and Boruto uh, talking about the meds that Naruto got from Amado that could potentially suppress the ultrification. They talk about the potential for there being a side effect. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to force you to take them. It's your choice. Uh, but you know, so you have to decide about this. Think this over carefully. And Boruto just takes one and goes, "Hum." <laughs> and naruto's kind of freaked out like ah, okay ah, side effects, potential on board is like i was thinking i just decided just now like, yeah fine you yeah. know yeah. he, he made the decision because he doesn't want people to get hurt by the karma and he kind of goes over all that and he, and he's like listen i know that you know this might be dangerous but i want i've been prepared for the worst for a long time now and that's why i decided so quickly and, you know, thanks for getting these for me. So, Naruto's still worried about his kid. But it's a nice little interaction they yeah. have. We cut then to later on when... um, Team... Team Serato, let's call him that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are going to have a training session. Which means that they're sitting around... Um... Yeah, <laughs> I... Okay, so to get a little bit ahead of this point, so there's a dispute that happens in this chapter over the way that they should be training, and Kawaki proposes that they should be fighting each other in order to be getting stronger, and everyone else is in disagreement with him over that. But to be fair to Kawaki, at first glance, it seems as though they're sitting around in a circle doing nothing. Yeah.
1: The the idea is supposed to be that they're meditating, um, but... Even in it, they don't ever explain, like, why this... Like, they kind of just, like, you know, it's it, 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 chakra control or whatever. But it's like, I mean, there's other ways we know that they do... Like, just the climbing the tree thing was, like, a chakra control technique. Yeah. So, I guess it's just the idea that this is the most efficient one. But, um, you it's know... If you're reading it, though. Yeah, well, it's also one of those things that's just like... Why the fuck are we doing this? Like, why are we here and why are these characters having to fight? Because to to also jump ahead, Nick, this chapter sucks. It is very pointless for a lot yeah. of reasons. There's one good element from it, and it is not really addressed in the way you want it to be.
0: I'm not even sure exactly what you're talking about.
1: We'll, we'll but... get to it when we'll it comes to.
0: up. So um, they we cut to this scene, and Kawaki is bringing up the point that, because Boruto has apparently told them that he's taking medication for the suffocation, and Kawaki I mean understandably is like well what about our plan for karma and stuff like that you know we came up with that shit and Boruto's like well yeah but I wasn't sure if we were actually going to do that if we could realistically do it and there's no guarantee so I'm doing this in the meantime it's like fair enough so also they talk about code and Boruto says I mean we we don't we have a chance to win against the normal way right so, but no, Tron he's is, too like, strong. He's <laughs> too cool. Uh, <laughs> you'll be blinded first
1: by how awesome he is, and then he'll
0: strike you while you're <laughs> while you're shined by his glamorous light. First you'll be struck by how glamorous he is, and then after your vision is cleared, you'll look down and see you're covered in straps, and then you'll be like, Oh, I look so cool now, but then the straps will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like, This is the best, and then you've been you've been caught by his ability. <laughs> Just like Boruto and Kawaki are are both just like straps are so cool. <laughs> and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> and Mitsuki's like, I'm here too.
1: <laughs> so then get, Mitsuki shows up a panel and a half later and he's like, What's up guys? Sorry, the author forgot to draw me. <laughs>
0: Mitsuki, What's up with you, your sweet straps? How did tracks? you survive Code's un- un- unavoidable attack? Oh yeah, uh, he forgot to draw me for the penalty. <laughs> uh, so then they talk about how unbeatable Code is for a bit, and Boruto's like, yeah, but that's why we're training, and Sarada's like, guys, shut up, we're doing nothing right now in order to train. Um, but then, uh, Kawaki brings to the point, how long is this going to take? Uh, and so... Mitsuki eventually like breaks into the into the argument as they go back and forth and says, What are you saying we should do instead? And Kwaki says, I'm gonna fight you in order to get you stronger, and, and, and just starts attacking people. Um Kotohamaru <laughs> and Naruto are watching this. Sorry, I forgot about this scene. Because <laughs> Kotohamaru is like, How dare you
1: and goes and Naruto stops him, is like, no. I have life insurance on both of them. Let this
0: happen. <laughs> like, They're both kind of my sons. <laughs> I I have a lot to gain from these two killing each other. Oh man, I'm so glad that I took out I took out the infighting. <laughs> it's.
1: I was like, what a wise decision. I know it works out in the end because Naruto, you know, the the person who's writing Naruto in the scene is also the one who's writing how this scene goes down. But it is a weird moment of him being like, no. Let these children start screaming and fight each other with
0: no guidance whatsoever. Naruto just suddenly goes, it's okay. It's only a VR simulation. And if they attack each other, they'll just, you know, come back from their from that form because of gravity. <laughs> oh, I mean,
1: oh no! <laughs> Bring up the task bars that show their stats! <laughs> just Kishimoto shouting from a golden throne. <laughs> This is how he writes, Munga now. Like, more spaceships! <laughs> more, sir. We're still in ninja times. There can't be that many spaceships. I've <laughs> <code> called more straps.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> so they argue a bit more. Eventually, but Kawaki keeps attacking Mitsuki. And Sarada calls everyone stupid. He tries to attack her. And Sarada is like, all right, I'm going to fucking burn you up then, asshole. She launches a fireball. But um, before too much more can happen. And they're doing useless attacks back and forth at each other. Um, uh, and Kawaki looks like he's going to attack <laughs> Sarada from behind. I got very enchanted by the idea that at the end of this fight, we zoom out.
1: And, like, I don't know, like, a bird flies by and we see that the battle has made a giant uh, winky face (laughs) in the the ground. And Kishimoto's like, good, good, every series will have this imagery now.
0: So, Kawaki nearly beats Sarada, because we gotta have that. Yeah. Can you imagine if Kawaki tried to start some shit and Sarada just fucking... Just fucking (laughs) charring
1: gunned him immediately, and... and because here's the thing that still was very weird to me. Like, so are they uh, getting now, or are they still or are tuning you, now, or are they getting? I
0: think they're tuning because that's like a whole thing. No way. Did they take the exam at the start of the series? Whatever. There, there, there
1: was there was a tuning exam at some point, but in my mind, I'm like, so why is Konohamaru watching this from afar and Sarada is leading the whole thing? If he's still kind of the leader of their group. And if that's the case, why does Sarada not actually have like a real stake in this argument? Because it just becomes a pissing contest between Boruto and and Kawaki.
0: So, yeah, Sarada concludes uh, after Boruto saves her because she's useless apparently now. Um, And I'm so glad that Kishimoto is writing the series now Uh, that... It's no, There's no point in talking Kawaki down from this. You've got to show him by force. And Bart is like, all right, but he's mine. So we get a one-on-one fight between Boruto and Kawaki because their relationship hasn't changed at it's all. It's so weird. Since they first met. <laughs> it is such a weird... Look, I'll, I'll get to the thing that I actually
1: do like about this. So... Ultimately, the reason why Kawaki loses is because he realizes he doesn't have karma anymore. And right. I thought there's something actually very interesting in that in that, you know, Kawaki has now sort of realized that without karma and how much of his purpose is tied to his strength, he's sort of trying to reason with the fact that even though he's cut out a very toxic part part of himself with getting rid of the karma, he he isn't quite yet realizing that that's actually a good thing, despite it making him less efficient in combat. And how kind of exploring that re like would be a way to kind of reaffirm where he feels and everything. But I don't feel the chapter actually like, it grazes past that idea mm-hmm. and then kind of just doesn't go anywhere with it. Now maybe we'll explore that more, but it definitely felt like this was a good place to really start addressing that. Like maybe he's lashing out because he is having trouble processing how he feels about his current identity at this point or things like that you know it's
0: addressed more from a tactical perspective in this chapter yeah in that he's like i didn't realize i was using it as a crutch still even though i don't have it so i tried to use it and it didn't work because i don't have it anymore that's why he loses the fight with boruto which happens over about the course of like a a third of the chapter and i'm just going to completely skip it because whatever it's 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 it's, it's not even worth. there's nothing interesting that happens the the best
1: the the best is the panel where the two of them punch each other and there's speed there and there's speed lines going in the background (laughs) and you're like but they're both being punched so it does that really doesn't carry any sense of kinetic energy because they're they would be going in opposite
0: directions We had a conversation on the Discord this week about how backgrounds in the Naruto franchise have deteriorated over time. So, like, you know, Beginning has very beautiful different backgrounds and it's like, rocky terrain, rocky terrain! Like, it's all Dragon Ball. And then it gets to Boruto and it's like, speed lines, speed lines, speed speed lines, lines. speed (laughs) lines. Everything.
1: (laughs) The the entire fight is just a series of speed lines. There's, like, one shot with a... uh, a background that still has speed lines drawn over top of that that was like i guess that's the standout panel from this chapter
0: <laughs> so yeah boruto wins the fight and kawaki feels humiliated he sees that naruto has been watching the whole thing and he's like damn it I, I wanted to protect him and how can i do that when i suck so much basically um and boruto looks down at him and he's like there's one thing that's definitely changed since we first met I can tell what you're thinking now, more or less. Don't carry it all on yourself alone. Lean on us more. We're your friends. And Sarada in the background is like, I never said I was his friend. (laughs) I'm also
1: his commanding officer, essentially, so he should just be listening to me as a natural thing. But whatever, I guess. Who cares? I won't even say anything in this entire fucking
0: end of the conflict. No, no. I have nothing to do with the way that our team is going to interact from now on, even though I'm the leader, supposedly. So Bardo keeps on talking for a bit, and he's like, You might feel responsible for Kara targeting Konohan, dad, but that isn't really your fault. It's it's his fault. You're correct, but mm. it's a little bit his fault. Just a tiny little bit. A little bit. Either way, we can't leave bad guys free to do whatever they want, right? That's what shinobi do. Are you Bardo just said the, that Shinobi are the cops, so I don't know how I feel about Naruto in general now. So, uh, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, then Naruto concludes by saying, Well, look who's all, look who's sounding all grown up. It's like, he just got into a fight with the guy. (laughs) Like, it would have really grown up if you didn't have this fight scene at all, and Boruto had actually broken the tension and taught Kawaki down. Yeah. Like,
1: again, like, as you said, if you had not just used the fact that, Kawaki doesn't have karma anymore, from a purely tactical standpoint, and had them talk about it. This could have been a much more interesting chapter. As it's, instead, yeah. it's just something where you're like, why did we cut away for these two guys to have a stupid fight? Like, yeah. I know that there is some kind of resolution to it, but it doesn't feel like it was one that was all that different from like the three other amicable amicable conversations that Boruto and Kawaki have had in the last like you know half year of this manga alone. You know, it's not like. Like I thought their beef was kind of quashed at this point.
0: Yeah, I did as well. And it seems like this escalation of things comes really out of nowhere. Especially because Kwaki is really just going like, this is boring. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <Yeah. pretty
1: sad. laughs> Almost as though that was uh, the attitude of Kishimoto. He's like, have them fight! <laughs> like The artist was like, but what hey, about the character uh, development Kishimoto? Fight! Like, <laughs> speed lines! I, I don't hear speed lines being drawn out there!
0: <laughs> whoosh, 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 whoosh.
1: That's right. More sound effects. Not in the manga. With your mouth, do them while you draw.
0: Uh, so, Kawaki, from his vision on the ground, decides to be all cool slacker guy. Uh, You know, propping his chin up on his arm and stuff. And he's like, you know, big lines like that would sound better coming from someone a bit more reliable. This dude saved your life multiple <laughs> times, Kawaki. Fuck off. Uh and Sarada calls him out as like he just lost and he's talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they put aside their differences. Yay, Boruto and Kawaki can get along now finally. Yep. All right. Uh and that's it. That's basically the chapter. So yeah, um very weird dumb chapter that it seems to have no place in the sequence of events that we've seen up to this point. Um, and just like even if you're drawn towards like, oh, but they fight, it's, like, it's a really piss poor fight, even among Kawaki versus Boruto fights.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things too where you're just like, I, why did you even have Sarada and Mitsuki present if neither of them were really going to get involved? It's one of those things where you're just like, I, I mean. I know they're all part of the same team, but at this point, can we just like have Mitsuki fall down a hole? So then Kawaki can become the permanent third member of team. Like, cause he's, he's, he's just replaced him at this point. I know the anime doesn't better, but from what I understand, the anime does
0: everything better in Boruto. I, I mean, if they give everyone more time, that makes sense. I, I yeah, I think that this, sh- this thing would have been much better if there had been less of a focus on, well, we have to get each of the members of the team a little bit of time fighting Kawaki. And if instead, say, their head, hell, just have a very brief fight scene between Sarada and Kawaki because she's like, all right, I've got to, you know, show you that you're doing th- shit wrong. And maybe she's about to win because she casts a jutsu that Kawaki tries to absorb and he's like, oh, shit. And then Boruto saves his ass or something like that. And then he's like, or and he's like, listen, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he talks him down. And then you avoid having Serata look completely useless as a commander and as a fighter. And you still have Boruto seem like he's mature in the situation because he talks Kawaki down. And yeah, but yeah. no, we had to have this. We had to have the fight scene last two thirds of the chapter or whatever instead. So ugh, it's frustrating. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Kaiju number eight. All this right. Chapter 34. And Kafka's doing great right about now. Uh, He's in prison. We uh, get a shot at the beginning of a bunch of the guys from uh, Unit 3 uh, just kind of hanging out in a parking lot, it seems like. Uh, And uh, they kind of start to have an awkward conversation, but then they get called in to meet uh, with Mina, and she explains to them all that, or rather, she explains to them all off-screen that uh, they're going to be transferred to another division. And she says that this is a temporary measure because, you know, all those kaiju's attacking re- resulted in a seventy-five percent reduction in the Tachikawa base's functionality. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Plus, there's the fact that, you know, all these Daikaiju have been targeting them over and over. And and so she says the top brass suspect that this might be a series of continuing cataclysms, which means that there might be more (gasps) on top of that. Uh, So to prepare for that, she says, you all are key. We're taking every division's most talented rookies and training them across division boundaries. So... Some of them start to object to this, but immediately Ichigawa speaks up and he says, I need to get stronger. So I'll do it. So. And everyone, pretty shortly after that, agrees to it, too, in their own ways. Uh So uh, we're going to presumably get a little bit of like, I went away and got stronger. So cool. Meanwhile, Kikoru has gone to meet with her father, the director general. And she's Very formal at the beginning, even though he is not. He just calls her by her first name, and she's you know saluting and standing at attention, referring to him by his title, and she's puts in a request to say, "Repeal orders to dispose of Kafka Hibino. He saved my life, and I said I humbly suggest a lenient punishment." And immediately he just kind—he's not even looking at her. He's doing paperwork at his desk while he talks to her. He says, "Pathetic fool." Oh. Ashiro already reported that much to me. Are you here to tell me about your worthless failures? <laughs> so, good dad, uh, right there. <laughs> yeah, he's a sad dude. Um, so she starts to object, but he just tosses an envelope at her, and the envelope has x rays taken of Kafka's rib cage. And he says, Look at this. He's made the thing on the left side of his chest look like a heart, but it's a core. He's no human. He is a kaiju. And Kikoto clearly is caught unaware by this. She didn't know about this. And Shinamiya goes on to say, Of the same scourge that killed your mother, a kaiju, if you understand, then leave. So he's not uh, bitter at all. But Kikaru's not done just yet, and she instead. Calls... Do you think he manicures and shapes his eyebrows to look like little fire or like
1: flames, or does that just happen naturally?
0: I want to believe it happens naturally.
1: <laughs> but I like
0: to think he's like, gotta make myself look scary, and he's like, snip, snip, shape, 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 snip, snip, shape, shape, shape. Maybe he's just a really big Endeavor fan. He's
1: yeah, like
0: a, he's also a great dad.
1: <laughs>
0: I like, I like to model myself after great dads.
1: Uh, me and him we so, hang out we talk about parenting tricks he's gotten a little soft recently though so if you don't pilot the eva Kikuru, then <laughs> <laughs> he hangs out with all the worst jump dads gong's dad shows up and it's just like wait you guys visit your kids what the
0: fuck <laughs> why why would you fucking do that shit oh <laughs> uh, so um Kikoru doesn't give up just yet, though. She calls the commander, Daddy, and says, even so, I still want to believe in him. It's a good friend. She uh-huh. believes in Kafka. Speaking of Kafka, we cut to him. He is in a much bigger holding facility than we, the one we saw him in before. There's all these wires running in from the walls connected to the seat that he is uh, restrained in. And uh, he just thinks about what Mina told him about how, like, hey, you know, if you can prove you're human, you, you might not get disposed. So cool. So Kaka's renewed determination now. He's like, I'll prove that I'm a human and I'll get back to the others. So first, I need to get them to hear me out. <laughs> you sweet boy.
1: He's <laughs> very, he really, belie- well, look, he doesn't quite know what an asshole yet the uh, director
0: is. The door opens, and the director in a battle suit now. Uh, comes in. He's accompanied by a bunch of gimps. Uh, I mean, you're and, not wrong. <laughs> 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 Gas mask gimps, and uh, you know, some of them have got weapons trained on Kafka. Some of them are carrying equipment. Uh, and Kafka immediately recognizes the director general. Of course, um, we see that a few people are observing this, uh, including some of the other directors, inc- and as also uh, Kikoru, since of course she came to the base to talk to her to her father. So Kafka starts like, oh, director general, I assure you, I am not a kaiju... And she's not even listening to him. He said, he commands everyone to release Kafka's restraints. A scientist dude is like, but he's really dangerous. And the director general is just like, have you forgotten who I am? I'm Endeavor. I mean, director general Shinomiya. <laughs> but he also brings up the point as Kafka is allowed to stand up. If he's really a daikaiju class threat he could easily break those manacles. Yes. So. so he points out that he's here of his own free will already. So Kafka's like, oh, good. Maybe he'll listen to me. And he's like, listen, I'm a human. And the director general points a gun at him and shoots him like five times. <laughs> uh, Kafka is able to make do a partial transformation. I do. It.
1: It's weird because... Um... Oh, what's her name? K- 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 Kikoru shouts out his it full name. <laughs> That's like, a, like if like you got shot, I'd be like Nicholas Freeman.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, it's it has, yeah, it is. It is weird in that singular moment that she doesn't do. She doesn't shorten it remotely. <laughs> That's how stringent and formal she is. <laughs> uh, Kafka manages to block the bullets with this partially transformed arm. But in the meantime, the director general has rushed into him and he uses his gauntleted arm to claw or crush or something part of Kafka's torso. And he says, I'll let you in on a little secret. In this world, a life form that can stop bullets with their bare skin could never be considered human. Kaiju number eight. And uh, as he's saying this. He drips Kafka's blood into a beaker to get a sample.
1: I like this. So, uh. A scientist, piano glass, who's like, he's gonna need to get another one because that's been very contaminated by his glove and everything.
0: Did you wash those gloves
1: before? No, they're gloves. <laughs> it's just a scientist is like, just let him just act like you accept it and then later go in and get an actual sample because it's, it's, that's garbage. <laughs> just, I just, I just need to. Here, can just get... <laughs>
0: thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Okay. Kafka's uh, after this one, he's just like, Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, he pricks his finger to get the blood. Ah! Oh, so, <laughs> <"Targer, no, Bino!" laughs> on the side. No, Kafka
1: be, no! <laughs> Every time he gets mildly hurt, she just shouts at his whole name.
0: They let him go, and Kafka goes on to the hall. He's like, Yeah, it's great to be out here. Stubs his toe. Ah, Kafka Hibino. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, it looks like Kafka's situation is. Uh, a little bit more dire than he, it was actually looking like it would be last chapter because uh yeah um this guy's on the warpath so
1: yeah i'm still not i i mean obviously he's an asshole in my mind i was like if only if the only thing he wanted was to kill this guy and just start dissecting him he would have done it already so he seems to acknowledge mm. that kafka is here willingly because you know he's like look you could have broken out if you wanted to but at the same time he's pretty mean so i'm I'm curious to see how more interactions with them go Uh, i assume he's just going to be an asshole but you know it's interesting
0: it is conceivable that he is deliberately trying to push kafka to Mm -hmm. make sure that he's not going to turn on them if they start to trust him so he's like yeah i'll treat him like shit from the get-go because then you know if if he stays loyal then he will stay loyal but um i don't know Maybe he knows more than he's letting on about Kafka's profile or all that stuff. Or, yeah, maybe he's just a, you know, zealot who wants to kill Kaiju and he sees Kafka as a threat. But we'll see. That we
1: will. All right, Nick, let's talk about Eden Zero Chapter 144 through the looking glass. And guess what's back, Nick? Uh, Pino's analysis. Yeah. Yeah, we find out about Jin, a.k.a. Chris Rutherford. Uh, His little special thing is Loves His Sister is a five out of five. It
0: uh, disturbs me that that's a five. Uh, I'd be more comfortable (laughs) if it was a four. Uh.
1: (laughs) Loves his sister, but not too much. Just the appropriate amount. I'll say this. Of the big brothers who have doting affection for their little sisters in Shonen magazines, he's probably the least creepy with it. So I'll give him that.
0: Uh, Pretty easily, actually. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: he's (laughs) never seemed to be like overwhelmed with excitement about her. He just oh. seems like a very overprotective brother. So yeah. we'll see. Um, anyway, the actual chapter itself, we start in the big space battle. Uh, we are shown a bunch of characters who I believe are part of Oasis, but yeah. none of them matter. I only assume they're getting interactions because they'll probably die and it'll be a way to make things sad because specifically two of them are in a relationship and are kind of flirting over the comms as the fight's happening. And, of course, they're the two best-looking ones,
0: traditionally speaking. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's not the robot man or the tiny rabbit person. I don't know what that character is. Uh, Rabbit Ninja, I guess. His name is Russo.
0: Mm, Good. I guess, you know. We get the fun of battling in space and underwater at the same time. (laughs) Only in the Aoi Cosmos, yo! Is this a... Vince
1: Russo reference yes okay <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard him talk before is that how he speaks yes
0: wow. he's the most Jersey man you've ever heard <laughs> good for him
1: uh we also see what's his name the motorcycle guy actually has a mo- motorcycle uh like steering console in his ship which is the only detail about this character that I've liked so far um then Goodwin and Eraser have a talk and basically, uh, Eraser's like. Hey, yeah, I'm I'm well aware of what's going on. Uh, we're not trying to get into your way. We're just here to help because it's the right thing. And although I'm not really excited about having a civilian organization get involved in this, uh, you know, I respect your conviction, so let's fight together. So it looks like that's what they're going to do. We cut over. Sure is still attacking the Eden Zero. Before we move on. Okay. Um,
0: I eraser at some point betray everyone or he's the most boring guy ever. <laughs> uh he's oh we're just here to help you out <laughs> yeah
1: right. right right now he's just not gerard basically and like yeah. not in the not gerard way that current like justice is not gerard like this is the guy who's like gerard from wish basically <laughs> and you're just like all right i guess
0: um, and we're getting to the point now where there's been so many Gerards who aren't Gerard in the hero <laughs> canon. It's like, which? Not Gerard. We're
1: going to do a top 10 list at you some know, point. Top 10 Gerards in Heroes manga. You know.
0: <laughs> All right. So you're talking about the guy who was Gerard, but not Gerard from Elsewall, uh, Gerard, uh, or uh, the one from Fairy Tale, or the other one from Fairy Tale, or the one from Me and Zero, or the other one from Me and Zero, <laughs> or the one from Naruto. is like, but Naruto's like, yeah, there was a Gerard Naruto. Wait, you remember? <laughs>
1: it's been a Gerard in a lot of series. You just don't realize it. Um, <laughs> We cut over. Shura has broken into the Eden Zero. Uh, everyone looks like they're in a bad position. Shiki wants to try to go help, but the robots that are ganged up around him got of jump on him to stop him. And then one of them's just like, I'm going to explode now. And yeah. activates a super fast timer. Like, I don't even know why I
0: bothered to have numbers, because it goes down immediately. And it, it might be in seconds and not minutes
1: maybe Uh, so it just says long live Master Shura activates self-destruct protocol and a giant explosion happens where Shiki is Um, we see the three fighter pilots are just like huh what was that and Jin says I'll go check it out or Chris I guess rather although I guess in this chapter they refer to his name as Jin so I guess Jin should be the nomenclature being used Um, back in the hall of mirrors Hamura is evil now and <laughs> I assume we're going to get a lot of Alice in Wonderland references based off the name of the chapter. Uh, but then I remembered it's hero, so probably not. Uh, we get why she's just like, what what's gotten into you? And I, I'm putting it as British accent for a reason. Or I oh, guess, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it comes up at some point. So they're like, oh, no, what? He must have been. she must have been attacked by an ether gear or something like that. Wait, she's holding her weapon left handed now. What's going on? Uh, Moscow comes up and says even horizontally flipped you are my friend and she (laughs) kicks him in the face (laughs) stupid
0: line (laughs) Uh, I wish that like (laughs) I wish that Moscow weren't already like the stupid comic relief character because if this were it would make the things that he's saying that are Making fun of Shiki's obsession with friendship much funnier if they seemed more. Pointed oh, he was fu-
1: He was fucking just dunking on them the whole time hey. to our
0: character is not there.
1: He's just dunking on them in front of all their friends. Hey guys, guys, check it out.
0: I'm going to be Shiki. Even horizontally flipped, you're still my friend. He gets fucking kicked in the face, read a bad friend. Can you imagine how much more we would be into this if Moskoy weren't just a dumb, <laughs> weird, funny, funny character? <laughs> Uh, so, uh,
1: Homura strikes at Rebecca, Rebecca bounces away, uh, Happy's like, use your EMP, Pino, and Pino's like, I don't know where the enemy is, so I can't actually do that. That's how her- no EMP's work. Yep. Uh, Rebecca thinks, okay, I could go back 90 seconds if I use reverse to just before she looked into the mirror, but, in the worst case scenario, I might be looking at a mirror at that point, or I might, you know, get to a mirror, and if I do that, I won't be able to use reverse anymore, Weiss says, Smorch in places! Don't take this personally, Amora! And, um. Call Blimey Buckingham Palace! <laughs> someone in our Discord pointed out that if you look at his line of sight, based off where he's aiming the gun, they're neither. <laughs> like it's, it's like one's going up and the other one's going down. So he's like, I'm using Tranks! And then shoots her a whole bunch of times, which gives her a lot of time to <laughs> slash the shots because he announced it first. <laughs> Sorry, Moira, I'm gonna
0: shoot you now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: okay, now I'll do it. <laughs> Pino activates her EMP to take away uh Hamora's swords, and Weiss has an opening now. But oh, he looked into a mirror, so he's gonna he he's about to attack Rebecca. So Rebecca has no choice but to use Reverse. However, she used Reverse too late. She didn't catch it before Hamora gets transported or uh turned or whatever. So she's like, all right. I just have to get going Uh, we need to get out of here whatever you do don't look at the mirrors we'll figure it out later so we we cut over to Homura who's inside the mirror just saying what's happening my image in the mirror is attacking my friends (gasps) it cannot be I'm the one in the mirror because all the all the letters are backwards Uh, and we're introduced to Milani one of oceans who says yes. I, uh, that's the you from inside this world who's jumped out of the mirror to attack everybody you see my hunting style is to pick off my prey one by one I bring them to my world to shatter them and Amora says is that so I have but one hunting style to strike down all who threaten my friends
0: okay that's alright that, 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 that's real what do you rep our guys <laughs>
1: Not since, not since the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy
0: has such witty banter been played back and forth. Um, yeah, well, it's a girl on girl fight. So I'm just kind of, <laughs> I'm just kind of waiting for the, for the shoe to drop. Is like, and I had sexy now. So uh, but. I've used
1: the mirror to reflect off your clothes. <laughs> like, huh? I don't. Quite understand how this works, but since this is a hero manga, I'm going to assume this is just how this works. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll see what happens um, coming forward well, with this. Uh, we, the we, the, we... the whole thing with like, I kind of th- expected Rebecca just wouldn't use her time leap ability um, mm-hmm. in this chapter when she brought up. I don't know if I'll time it properly, and then she did, and it turned out that she waited like literally like three seconds too long to save Amora too so that kind of sucks um uh yeah it's whatever this is a very whatever chapter in every facet (laughs) that happens
1: nick the new villain uh she has sheer pants so maybe the fan service will just be a lot of butt shots i mean we know it well but maybe it'll be more than the usual (laughs) (laughs) amount. I mean, there's legitimately the shot of Hamora banging on the mirror is the other side of her is just butt out facing the mirror. So, you know, sometimes you just get that.
0: Yeah, it's like a very weird, like, my ass happens to be in the <laughs> shot because I, I guess that I, while I was going after them, I decided to, you know, kind of rub up against it as I was walking down the hall. <laughs> When you think about the exact angle, it is. <laughs> Whatever. All right. It's an it's an Ian Zero chapter, and we don't have time to talk about that anymore because it's very important that we dedicate all this time to instead talking about. <laughs> I forgot about ITLC this week. <laughs> ITLC chapter sixteen carriage. Uh. So people are still um recovering from. Uh, not Sonia's incredible uh, escape that they explained in great detail but were also mystified by simultaneously because it was such a clever uh, series of tricks that she employed to to get out of there. So the chief and his wife banter a bit um, and the his wife makes the note because she's taken a picture of uh, Mars face. Uh, you know, when she was, like, posing, and she's like, you know, it's strange. You'd think a phantom thief would at least hide their face. It's like, yeah, all right. Interesting point. So, um, they try and pursue Mara to the roof, but the door won't open uh, from the room that they're in because they're the most incompetent police force in the world. Uh, Mara is safely up on the roof, and she's like, huh, that man's running late. Did he double cross me? He seemed pretty useful, but I should. I suppose I shouldn't trust my followers 100%. You shouldn't trust people you literally just met and just hired. with stunned for how effective as a fucking
1: thief she is that she ever trusts anybody and that she doesn't yeah. have another contingency, really. I guess she kind of does because she's like, I'll jump off the building or something like that. But. Yeah.
0: So. And of course, we see a shot of her meeting this, this person who's supposed to pick her up in the helicopter, but we only see them from behind in shadows. I wonder who it could be. So, yeah. And then she's like, well, if he doesn't show up, I'll just jump from this roof down to that tree. Yeah, it's a good plan. Uh, and Honestly, she realized- that's probably a better plan than having a helicopter
1: fly to pick you up to fly you away, because it feels like that's a lot easier to track.
0: I imagine that there's another version of the series out there where she, they see that like she's repelled down the building and then we get like three pages dedicated to explaining what climbing equipment is to people. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you see, she had this piston and this hook and so she drove a, a, an anchor into the wall using this hammer and then she used this cord which can support this much weight and she went down the lines. Yes, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Got it. So, Mara realizes she doesn't have too much longer, but then she looks up and sees that Sakan was on the top of the stairwell roof thing. Yes. Um, The stairwell building.
1: It has to have a name, right?
0: I don't know. So, he was just standing up there instead of tackling her with the element of surprise because apparently Sakan can't take anyone by surprise unless they think that they've like murdered someone and have a freaky girl stalking towards them or something like that. So he apologizes for not being Ms. Ms. Ayaoi because he knows what's up. Um, Mar mocks him a bit and says, do you honestly think you can catch a beauty as me? And Sakan says, beauty or not, you're a thief, I'm going to catch you witty repartee gotta love it gotta love well here's the the thing zingers that they shoot sakan's not supposed
1: to have them because he sucks and he's lame so don't give him cool lines this is the perfect line for him where he's just like like she's just like she sets him up for something and then he does not know how to follow it up he's just like i don't care about your gimmick you have to be arrested punch you now like just like as as dried as beleaguered as possible
0: so Sakan so goes to get uh, Mar with the ultimate technique, the super telegraphed lunging straightforward grab. It's also one of those,
1: it's like, what police academy did they teach you this is the t- to lunge
0: out <laughs> hand for? ah. <laughs> Oh, man, but I took all that instruction from those NFL players, and they said this is the best
1: way to bring someone down. It, it's legitimate, like, like if you wanted a flashback to, like, all right, guys, we're going to teach you the best way to put down a criminal. And meanwhile, Sikhan is just reading Ice Shield 21, and he's like, the Trident Tackle's the coolest move in all sports. That's the only way to bring a bad guy down is to just slam your fist into them.
0: Uh, there is brief action. Mar dances around and like throws kicks and jumps off of Sakon and stuff. He blocks a kick and then he goes impressive kick. <laughs> okay, uh, I love and...
1: fucking nasally lame Sakon. Like it's the voice we tended to give to like loser characters, but that's just because they were like a little bit socially awkward. It's just just a character just despise.
0: Just like oh, great kick there, Mar. Mar says. Your zeal creeps me out, and Sakon says, I don't care if it does! I'm just doing my best as part of the I-Division to fight as only we can! Just... I'm sure that they could get someone else to fill your <laughs> role, Sakan. Like... Honestly. Well, Nick, who would be the muscle of the team? He's lost twice. <laughs> I could be the
1: muscle of the team! <laughs> I was like, he's lost twice in the only two physical encounters he's had, so... I if guess I he... Would be I would as effective as the con! I guess he did tackle the bank robber in the first thing they were at. They so. didn't need him to do that! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, diff- a different point, but still.
0: So mar says well that's very commendable but i don't have time to play with you after all i i have no intention of getting caught yet (laughs) it's a very awkwardly timed pause in her sentence (laughs) also there is like dramatic lighting behind her somehow so um the helicopter is there and it didn't make any noise up to this point i guess
1: (laughs) Oh, well, it's one of those new-age silent helicopters, you know?
0: <laughs> she's going to escape over the roof yeah, yeah, order to get yeah. to the tree, because the helicopter's not there yet. So she runs away from him, and she's like, Oh, it's a shame I couldn't see the lovely lady. King." And she's like, Wait a minute, something just grabbed my leg. I can't lift it. I'm losing my balance. And she's going to trip and fall over the side of the building. But Zakan, If these magnets...
1: Are as strong as they are.
0: She Chris, is not. Chris, she is. is she, she, she is, is not gonna.
1: Hand-tap. She is not gonna lose her balance. She's going to snap her fucking ankles.
0: <laughs> or her shoe will. fall. <laughs> <Yeah. come on. laughs> so, so Khan grabs her and he's like, No, I've got you." <laughs> 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 so, Mara's like what did you do when I stepped here? It was like someone grabbed my leg. What did you do? <laughs> look how fucking dramatic she gets there. And, and then I want
1: him to be like, magnets! And she's like, god damn it. Stupid
0: fucking magnets, really? <laughs> this is a magnetic plate one made to look like stone. And Margo's, A magnet? <laughs> <laughs> What's the fucking bold typing jagged word. A
1: magnet. <laughs> Not like her, they like initially like, just be like so much fucking work. Why didn't she just use a taser or something? You like custom built a fucking magnet panel and replicate. Did you improve this with the building or anything?
0: If they think that they're like planning this ahead of time, and Akiraka's is like, "Well, we could just throw a big net on her when she comes out of stairwell."
1: Hold on, <laughs> sir. If I may suggest, and he just has a big magnet. He just like sees the two snap together. I- Need I say more? <laughs> Akiraka's like, "Everything my, here's the credit card. No expenses too much."
0: She was like, "Why did you spend all this money?" Listen, I thought the magnet idea was way cooler than my net idea, <laughs> credit where credit's due. My th- I mean, you know, I, I, my next plan up was to throw a Pokeball at her, but I mean, you know, I, I realized afterwards I wasn't going to top the magnetic plate that we had to pre-install on one tile in the entire roof. <laughs> but, Nick,
1: at least... At the very least, this was the crescendo to their whole plan, and it isn't made entirely irrelevant by what happens next, to the
0: point where you'd even argue, why even have the magnetic (laughs) panel? So... Sakon breaks down this whole explanation and says, "Well, that trigger you used to stand on the ceiling—your shoes with the slots are key. If you're trying to support your entire body weight with normal shoes, they wouldn't be strong enough. But you could have made them out of metal with fabric on top to look like more normal shoes. So, certainly of- wouldn't hear that
1: as she walked across the clank, clank, clank,
0: clank, clank." <laughs> Ah, no, no, rubber soles cover up. Come on. <laughs> so we see the reason the Aoi was hiding out on the roof when she got there was so that she could hide under one bench, so that then she could test to see if she had metal on her shoes by letting a magnet. Snap onto them while she was hiding under the bench. So it's a good thing she sat on that bench and was hiding on that rooftop doing nothing instead of infiltrating the museum in any other way. <laughs> Afterward, while you were in the ceiling, they didn't do this ahead of time. They did this while she was infiltrating the museum. The two of them went on the roof and replaced one roof tile. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: God she went to that exact tile too. <laughs> that she didn't have a long enough stride to have just stepped over it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and now for my lucky getaway strided uh, tradition, I'll jump over the last. <laughs> You're like, oh, sick. like that was
1: four thousand dollars. It cost us four thousand dollars that panel. Ah.
0: Uh. So Mar says, Well, wait a minute, but I only revealed my trick a moment ago. Are you implying you already knew it? And so Khan makes actually a really good point, which is, Well, you used the same trick on the truck the first time we ran into you, so we did that. <laughs> <laughs> but she says, I, Even on the truck, I took the fixtures off before I left. There shouldn't have been any evidence. Like, you were walking on the ceiling, though. How many methods are there to walking on a fucking ceiling?
1: <laughs> Also there'd be large imprints of where the screws to hang the hinge were still on the truck. She's like, "No, I use tape. Scotch tape." Uh,
0: so, now that Sakon has used his unbeatable strategy of grab someone, they're not going anywhere. So, Mars like, oh, what "Well, do I do well, I well specifically, free? she's like, "Oh no, I'm he's
1: physically stronger than me. I can't shake free." Or like, "I guess this is the one time Sakon's working out has been
0: effective. Yeah, you know, I do all of those grabbing people
1: weightlifting sessions. I guess she has no techniques to get it. She's so good at everything else, but
0: she's like, ah, he's grabbed my one wrist. I'm helpless now. Yeah, you got to imagine, like, you know, all that training she does for hand to hand combat. She's like, oh, no, I don't have any strategies for awkward from behind hugs. He's not even securing a limb or anything. Um okay, I guess he's got one arm, whatever. But he's like just kinda like "Mm, loose hug. So um but then Oh the chopper is here and so the escape helicopter is there. And Mar is like, oh you could be any later and Sakan's like, Huh, a helicopter (laughs) and Mar goes A helicopter
1: he has to know is driven by Aoi, which again leads us to the question, why would they even do the part where she stops and gets stuck by the magnet? Because it is not how this situation ends. I guess you could argue the idea that the helico- like the helicopter needed time to get there. But again, you're writing the series.
0: You could just write that the helicopter showed up when she got to the roof. But then I wouldn't have gotten to do anything. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Mario celebrates. She's like, that was close, but the show was in victory. And she goes off on the ladder attached to the helicopter.
1: Oh, no. Someone the, put a uh, magnet on the rope ladder. I can't get off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, curse these weighted shoes I wear for training. <laughs> uh,. The police get the door to the roof open. Homura goes to Sakon and she's like, Ah, if only we'd busted down the door a little sooner. And Sakon says, No, I wanted her to board the copter. I was just trying to slow her down. Still, I did get spooked when I actually saw it. Fucking worthless.
1: <laughs> I got scared when the helicopter
0: I expected to- <laughs> There was a. You're the worst guy that was making lots of noise. It scared me.
1: You're the worst cop in the world. You're the worst, and like holy shit, it caught me off guard. I may have peed myself a little, but it's all according to (laughs) So
0: Samar gets into the helicopter, and she's like, "Hey, you're late. Explain yourself." And of course, wouldn't you know it, who could have called this twist in the last chapter? Ms. Aoi is sitting in the helicopter flying it, and she gets a big full-page spread to reveal that she is the pilot and not that one guy that Mar met before. And Mar goes, huh? You're that girl! Why are you flying the copter? And so we cut to six days earlier, and she's like, oh, wow. So you have a helicopter, huh? And wouldn't you know it? It's the one guy that I <laughs> and Instacon went to meet a couple chapters ago that was part of their plan to catch Mar. Oh, he showed up. And the mysterious person we saw at the beginning of this chapter was him. Who could have seen this coming?
1: Well, Nick, this does pose an interesting thing because do you remember this character's one gimmick?
0: He cuts things in half.
1: I hope this helicopter splits right in fucking half for no reason. <laughs>
0: like it's just this is like, what does this button do? And then it just snaps open.
1: And they're just like, Why? Why did you do this?
0: Uh always closes the chapter by saying, calm yourself. I'll explain everything. After all, we're finally getting a moment to ourselves. If the next chapter is a full chapter for explaining how they knew stuff, I hope that it is going over the most inconsequential, obvious bullshit for 18 pages. Nothing else. No dramatic interactions. Last second escape attempts. No actions beats. Nothing. Just explaining obvious shit. Like it's the most clever thing in the world. <laughs> Please. Oh god, this is a terrible chapter, and I fucking loved it. So... <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, calm yourself, Nick. Okay,
1: gather yourself. It's time to talk about a fun chapter about Chan, God of Destruction, Chapter was... Forty Four: Madness versus Fate.
0: This was a very silly little chapter. Yes, yeah. so. Muskar comes across Naputuku while he is finishing up at his part-time job. He's pulling trash out to the garbage man. And Muskar is just like, what is he doing? What is he doing? But Nabutiku is just like, you know, being friendly with the garbage guy. He's like, oh, hey, it's the starfish who <laughs> works for the Sama <laughs> family restaurant. <laughs> he doesn't care at all. <laughs> and Nabutiku's like, yeah, you should come try my cooking sometime. It's really cute it's very adorable so he's like i've got the day off today maybe i'll go somewhere yeah and they put to go.
1: <laughs> everyone's no. so excited
0: he's like goes open up a little magazine while he's sitting on his trash throw he's,
1: he's like, so oh, he looks so fucking happy i i love i i, I like think back to not that long ago when I was just like, fucking who cares about Naputuku? if it's all Maguchan chapter series worthless. And now I'm just like, why my precious starfish toddler, and if anything bad happened to him, I would I would burn everything to the ground.
0: <laughs> Look how fucking happy so... he is. <laughs> <laughs> Muskar like follows Nabutiku around for a little bit, I guess, and he's just like it was like, oh my god, he's just acting like a lowly human and Naputiku doesn't recognize Muskar because A, he doesn't really know who he is, and B, he looks like a human. So, he's like, oh yeah, the restaurant's not open yet, so you can't come in. Uh, and Muskar is like, how do you, how can you do this? You've, you've, you've debased yourself. And Naputaku's like, hey, why are you so rude? <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> so, he brings up, he's like, "Yo, come on, you're Naputaku the mad! And Naputaku just says, ah, if you've got a complaint, I could go get the manager for you. <laughs> so... Muskar introduces himself and then he's like, Oh, I've never heard of you. <laughs> so they go off because Nabutiku is like <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah, you're trying to recruit me, huh? Well, I've already got a mission. It's called part-time work. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's talking about how great part-time work is, because he can go and buy ingredients to cook. So Muskar is like, I see. Well, then follow me, Naputaku. I shall give you what you want. And he brings him to a gambling den. And he's like, no, 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 Aww. I've learned my lesson about gambling. No, no, I don't want to lose my money again. But Muskar grabs him with his sleeve, okay, and he's like, well, oh, but with my power over fate, any chance turns to certainty. Playing a game, you win, a game you win 100% of the time isn't gambling. Surrender yourself to fate. And hours later, Naputuku's just surrounded by all the money he's won from playing pachinko over and over and he's now he's just like no no i can't stop hitting the jackpot why why
1: oh poor naputaku
0: yeah so is like hey my power is pretty great right but after they're done you know is like oh cool money <laughs> that's great money you can buy lots of food <laughs> this is me. so muskar is like come on you can what do you got to use all that money for he's Like, yeah i'm gonna go ingredient shopping <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the store and Mut- pushing his little shopping cart around and he's like oh since you're with me i'll treat you to some money muskar's like i'm the one who gave you that money
1: <laughs> uh it should be noted that as we pass over it this is the first note that we have that uh Viz has actually changed the way they're translating uh Mag's, Magu's name. It is uh still gonna be Magu of the structure it looks like, but Magu's actual
0: name is Magmanuik instead of Magu Manuku, I yeah, believe. It's so it's pronounced with a with a U because of Japanese pronunciation. Yeah. yeah. So that is the official pronunciation. So he is Magmanuik, but Magu chan. So So <laughs> Muskaru just kinda like it's starting to reach his wits end so he's just like what the hell are you doing why are you out shopping you're an evil god come on and is just kind of like staring at him he's like I'll make you something good to eat later so calm down <laughs> such a nice stupid little starfish. Uh, they come across Ruru as well and butiku gets along with Ruru and he's like he's calling her like young missy and stuff and it's it's very sweet they're talking about ingredients that they're here to get. Uh Muskar uh is is like, ah, oh, so Magmanuik is not with you today. And uh Ruru brings up that uh, she made food for Magu-chan yesterday as a thank you for the surprise that she was gonna throw her. Uh, he was gonna throw her. And uh she wasn't really satisfied with the review he gave it. But then again, who would be satisfied with any of the reviews that Magu gives? He's always just like well, this has ingredients. <laughs> so, so she feels, you know, myth because uh, she feels like, oh, I worked really hard on that. And, when, you know, he, did, he didn't seem very appreciative of it. Uh, and not Nap- Noputika brings it to the point of, like, oh, yeah, he never seems to call anything I make tasty. So they decide, like, ah, oh, little Missy, let's have a match to see which of our cooking can enthrall him the most. And so, they're like, yay, cooking battle. And they're going to go and do a silly thing. And Muskar is like, what the fuck is with these people? I hate them. I hate them all so much. Um, they enjo- invite him to join the cook-off. He's like, no, I hate cooking. No. Uh, but Ruru says like, okay, we'll do the rules like this is the last match we had where the winner, uh, the loser has to do whatever the winner says. And so immediately Muskar is like, I'll force them to join the chaos cult and then I'll get Magma on my side too because Ruru will have joined. So Muskar might also be a bit of a dork too, uh, just thinking, you know, so. Yeah, they get home. M- magu is already ready for food. He's got a fork and spoon and a bib. It's nice that he, you know, has some manner of table manners now. Uh, uh, so they have the cooking competition. Uh, Muskar, of course, is terrible at cooking. Like he tries to chop a carrot with his sleeves. And when he pulls up the carrot, it's like still got the edge uh, opposite the one that you chopped down into so it's all in one weird diced up uh, piece um, and Muskar is like look food prep isn't something that superior beings to do then the same goes for cooking his sleeve catches on fire on the stove
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do just like uh, Naputaku being like you haven't cut that at all fate guy <laughs> like you just <laughs> bought an orange just fate dude
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Naputaku is very confident he's going to win uh, Ru is like, I'm going to get Magu-chan to say he likes my cooking. And Moogscar's like, my victory has been ordained by fate. <laughs> so he's using he's using cheats to hack uh, and stuff. They present their dishes to Magu-chan. Roo's up first. It's an eggy natto omelet. It looks very tasty. Uh, Magu eats it and his body gets all, you know, like spiny and stuff. And Ruru's really doesn't like his review, which is spoiled beans and undercooked hen's eggs wrapped together to create a high protein sludge. Goopy, sticky warmth brought together to make a jiggly concoction. Because he didn't say if he liked it or not. Yeah. So. And he when describes Nabutica... it in the grossest way possible. Yeah, much. Uh, Nabutica presents Pudding a la Mode of Madness. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like got little cute things in it.
0: It's got little octopus thing guys in it and stuff. Uh, Magu eats it. He turns into a little pudding again. Uh, and he, yeah, it's it's very cute. He's like, this unstable soft tower looms over a menagerie of sweets. It brings to mind the folly of lowly humans. <laughs> also, Nefutiku says that he garnished the pudding with candy prizes from the pachinko parlor. Good for him. Aww. Muskar is like, ha, you two know nothing. It isn't cooking that Mog desires. He wants something more than nutrients to revive his diminished reincarnated body. Cooking is the art of manipulating the laws of nature. By stirring and applying heat, I took the resulting substance and using fate, souped it into something that would provide the most nutrition. Mog is. The, this is the offering that I bestow upon you. The ultimate complete nourishing food supplements in a pot and it's just a pot This just got glop. oh god <laughs> uh so of course Ruin and naputku both realize it looks horrible uh but magu starts to eat it and he said this is an ominously blasphemous provision from this concentrated bog of pollution i sense unfathomable chaos and he takes a spoonful of it and he starts to bulge out and g- g- expand immediately. So Ruru grabs him and running with him over her head like Batman with a bomb, <laughs> chucks him over <laughs> and outside. And he explodes. And then she strings up Muskar with a shaming sign that says, I made Magu-chan blow up. So Muscar's like, how did this happen? My power over fate should have made it the best. And a narration just says, the adjustment of fate cannot make the impossible possible. <laughs> he is too bad a cook. So Naputaku says, just because the dish is good doesn't mean, uh, just because it's nutritious doesn't mean it's good, you idiot. Uh, I'll tell you what your cooking lacked. You see, the most important seasoning in cooking is love. some as a tornado and <laughs> blows him
1: away. Oh, but he was right.
0: Uh, and Maguchan afterwards tells Rue because she's like, which was the most delicious? They were all possible. <laughs> they were all fine. <laughs> they were all adequately fulfilling. This was a fucking great, great chapter. <laughs> it really
1: was. It was a it was a fun chapter. A lot of the jokes were really good. Uh, there was no Anaris, so <laughs> <it was laughs> bad. now I feel bad because it feels like I dunked too hard on Anaris. But uh, it is amusing. I was like, I really enjoyed this chapter. And then at the end, I was like. There was no one Weird how
0: that works out. And there was the and there was plenty of naputuku in his ultimate form. So. Oh yeah, he's so cute. Look at that guy.
1: I want. I want. A, I want a plushie of that guy now. Like his that little star with his big fucking happy ass face.
0: There's, there's something so amusing to me about naputuku of all characters going like the most important ingredient cooking is love. <laughs> <It's> such <fun>, a <laughs> little
1: dumb little fucking nugget. I love him.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Nine Dragons Ball Parade, Chapter 14, Shiro Shiratori. Uh, the dragons are practicing together. Uh, Azukita is doing, like, the fielding practice with people he's leading instead of Kareen. It's probably a good idea because he can, you know, actually control where he hits the ball. Um, A bunch of people from the school have gathered and are watching from, you know, the sidelines and stuff. Uh, we see a little bit of fielding happening. It's like, oh cool, but the most amazing one of all. And we see Tsurugi uh hitting a deep fly to to, to the outfield, and they're like, wow, he's gotten the best of Ryudo's best fastball now. And everyone's like, wow, he's great. And even and Tsurugi still being like, hey, you know, that that nearly split my bat in two. So you know, Ryudo's still impressive, but it's just that Tsurugi seems very clearly to be like their ace at this point. Um, and Azuki is like, hey. You know, it's not just the two of them. You know, everyone's getting better, uh, and those two in particular are evolving by pushing each other. So, with Ryudo's pitching, with Sarugi's batting, these these guys can be the foundation of our team. They could lead us to victory. We could beat Hakuo. We could go to Koshien. Um, and everyone's you know cheering them on from the sidelines and stuff. And Azukiya gets up into it. He's like, "Yeah, all right, shout it with me, everyone. Hakuo's going down. We're going to Koshien and someone is snickering from the audience.
1: And, like, the grossest panel. Like, you zoom in, like, he has his teeth, and, like, the details on
0: his lips, like, (laughs) like, ugh. And it's Shiro Tori from Hakuo, who, of course, last chapter was sent in the most evil, dramatic way possible to scout this team. (laughs) And he steps forward and spreads his arms out, and and he says, truly a wonderful team setting your sights on a pure goal and sweating on the field together beautiful and uh Azukita of course recognizes him and introduces him and talks about talks him up you know he's the first uh hakuo first year that's donned the ace pitcher's jersey his total ERA at Koshian is 0. 0.6 which is absurd <laughs> it's uh but for to give you an idea, that is a total of three runs allowed over five games. So very good. <laughs> so, so uh, he steps forward and introduces himself. He's very formal at first, Uh, and they realize, oh, he's been sent here by Hakuo. And he says, "Sadly, due to my ignorance and lack of expertise, I'm afraid I can't assess your abilities merely through observation. Therefore, I wish to make a humble request." And he points to Tsurugi and says, would you be willing to engage with me? And it's actually, it's kind of weird because the first panel that he's pointing to him, he's got his, his palm down. And then when he points to him in the next one, he's palm up. So he kind of like points and twists, presumably, which is (laughs) the most anime thing I think you could do. (laughs) So, he says, you know, oh, if I could win, if I can hold my own against your most excellent hitter, perhaps I'll escape a scolding. And he's acting very clearly, like disingenuously polite and snooty and stuff. Um, so Azukita's like, Oh, does this mean that we're on their radar now? Ooh. So he tries to figure out like, oh, what should I do? I mean, maybe maybe he could gain knowledge if he does this, but on the other hand, we could also learn about him. But Surugi makes the decision for him. He's like, Hey, let me do this. I'm going to learn what to expect from a Koshien-level pitcher. So they get set up. Uh, Azuki catching for uh, Shiratori while Tsurugi bats. And Azuki is like, yeah, yeah. Tsurugi has the potential to really learn from this. Was what I thought. And we cut ahead to the practice. And they're like, yeah, Tsurugi hasn't been able to hit a single pitch after he's thrown 14 straight pitches to him. And now Shiratori looking... Very kind of snake-like, his entire face is curved in different directions because he's smirking so much. Um, and Sarugi's like, I can't see them. And you know, we get, you know, like the the hawk staring down its prey, but it like it can't spot the ball that's coming towards him. <sighs> uh because it's a fastball that is incredibly beautiful and and fa- and and like a thread stretched taut. But on top of that, it goes inward after it's basically been going on a straight line for much of its trajectory. So it banks in this impossible rapid fashion uh, in towards him. And so he's like, and Azuki is like, I can, I can't even catch these balls properly. He's throwing at such an advanced level. So this is Shiratori's cutter, his, his, uh, uh extra pitch that he does. So, um, and yeah, they're like, oh man, this is the level that he's at. This is Hakuo's ace. And so after Tsurugi's been thoroughly defeated, Shiratori's like, oh, that was most edifying. I look forward to meeting you again in a game. But before he can leave, Subaki's like, hey, you jerk! Tsurugi's got this! He can hit him! How dare you waltz in here! And you just... And Tsurugi's just like, "Subaki, I can't. I can't hit them. There's no point continuing any further. And he looks thoroughly defeated, like all the brightness is is gone from his eyes. And Azukita looks at uh, Shiratori again. And Shiratori, of course, is smirking and his lips are doing something. I I, (laughs) Uh, And Azukita realizes he didn't come here to gather data or to stoke the flames of rivalry by demonstrating his superiority. It's nothing as deep or intentional as that. He's like a cat playing with a bug that happened across its path. He's simply taking pleasure in toying with someone weaker than him. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Shiratori leaves, although not after one last, you know, fuck you where he's like, Oh, I'm sure you're just being humble. And then he leaves. Yes. And, uh, you know, Tsubaki's like shouting, uh, after him and stuff, but he just keeps on going and he says, goodbye, my cookery use on friends. I quite look forward to your defeat of Hakuo. Yeah. And then so, we get
1: a shot of a baseball, a baseball bat hitting a baseball in and, and a
0: series. And... <laughs> uh, yeah, it was an effective introduction of, you know, a rival that they can strive towards because he's so much better than them. So
1: Yeah, they had to introduce somebody who's much, much cooler. Uh, give them somebody, you know, kind of build up the main antagonist force. I mean, Hakuo is definitely going to be their final opponent at some point um who knows if we'll ever see any kind of real conflict between them but you know it was a good introduction i do like the idea that he wasn't there to scout them and he's not there to see what their hidden potential is he just wants to fuck with them because he's a mean shitty cat basically now yeah should note mean shitty cats are still good ass cats uh but you know still kind of a shitty cat
0: if you were an actual cat, you'd just be like, oh, that's adorable how he's humiliating those guys and crushing their dreams.
1: You know, I had, <laughs> uh,
0: I, I feel like a lot like a cat today, Nick, because I've had a
1: weird experience of bugs today. Why is that? So, uh, you know stink bugs? Yes. Uh, I woke up this morning. and I felt something on my face. Oh, no. And I immediately like was like, bah! And it moved. And I immediately just grabbed it and threw it across the room. And I was like, ah, that was a stink bug because it smells really bad now. And I was like, all right, Whatever. Then later in the day I saw a stink bug walking across my desk. And I was like, All right, yeah, well stink bug <laughs> I, I hope not, because I definitely crushed part of it when I grabbed when I like initially okay. like scratched at my thing.
0: In addition to being smelling and annoying, I also regenerate
1: <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, like a cockroach. No, this is the opposite. So I I, I grabbed a piece of paper because I was like, look, I don't I didn't want to kill this one. So I was like, I'm gonna grab you. I'm gonna put you on this piece of paper, I'm gonna carry it, and I put the piece of paper outside. And I was like, "Cool, all right, enjoy life outside now." I go back later because I'm like, "Oh, I should, def- I should grab that piece of paper because it's about to storm, so I don't want it to like blow away and just litter." So I go out, and I was like, "I hope that bug's having a good life. He's fucking legs up, dead in the air on the piece of paper." I was
0: like, "Shit, man." Thank you, you <laughs> thank you, giant traveler, for leading me out to safety. Now I can live in the outside world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought you fuckers were sturdier than this. Aren't you supposed to survive in the world when we die? I'm like,
1: no, that's cockroaches. We die so easily.
0: <laughs> it turns out we're allergic to paper. Well, like, comes from trees. Yes! I was like,
1: was the sun too hot? Are you that fragile? I was like, what happened, man?
0: It was like 30 you minutes. I can only survive in toxic environments. (laughs) Why?
1: I felt bad. I was like, shit, man, I guess I'm the cat today. Just killing all these bugs.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Speaking of nature, uh, Dr. (laughs) Stone, Z equals 197, a stony Eden and its forbidden fruit. Last time, after years of attempts, failed attempts primarily, Suika was able to revive Senku with her revival fluid. And of course, she is now considerably older. Uh, she's a teenager now, um, and we get you know a brief recap of that, saying like, "Yeah, I, I failed over and over again." We get this brief collage of her like getting older as she's trying to refine the the fluid. Um, and uh, you know, Senku of course now that he's waking up. He's looking around at her stuff and like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you made a field for making nitric nitric acid from poop. Yeah, it's it, it takes a lot of time, but as long as you go slow and steady, you're ten billion percent guaranteed to get revival fluid." You did good, Suika. And Suika's like, yay, someone's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, but Suika admits that she only made enough for one person. And she's like, yeah, so i use that dose on you. And Suika's like, well, I mean, you got your priorities straight, so good job there. Uh, and then he says, okay, time to do my first scientific craft-a-thon in seven years, so get excited about that. And he goes through the process and uses a completely different process. And he's like, all right, all done. He took him one day. What took her seven years to do.
1: <laughs> now, to be fair, he is a super scientist. And she has
0: been operating all this time without working glasses. So, But I totally understand where she's coming from. It took you one day. <laughs> oh, gosh. But Seng is like, hey, you know, it's just a different method. And as long as we've got them it's a piece of cake. I swear, if after this happens... Suika like makes it like a thing where she's like, Can you teach me like more (laughs) of this stuff? Can you just like make it mandatory learning for everyone that they have to learn how to make revival fluid in case this happens again? Uh but um it takes them a day each to make each different dose of nitric acid so they can make revival fluid. So after a little bit more than two weeks, they have enough to revive everyone. So they, so they go around waking up people. They revive Kohaku. And there's a, a short little sweet moment where Suika says to Kohaku, we're about the same age now, so I guess that you can't exactly give me a classic Kohaku hug anymore. Bitch, fuck, fuck that. You. Get get in here. Kohaku always have little sister. So it's very cute. And Senku's off in the background like, I don't care about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they revive uh, Ryusui and Francois. And uh, they they start whipping stuff up. They revive Chelsea uh, and Luna and Taiju and Ukio and Gen, and the two bo- the two guys that I, whose names I don't really Carlos remember. Carlos and Hyde,
1: I think, or something like that.
0: Tom um, maybe is the other one. Carlos and Tom. I, don't I know. thought it
1: was Carlos and Hyde.
0: Uh, no. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, and Kiseki. Why, why do correct. I
1: keep thinking that? There's something to Hyde. I think that I keep mixing it
0: up when thinking of Hyde and Closer. I mean, there's a football player called Carlos Hyde, but... Possibly, Yeah. Huh? Eh. So, Kaseki's revived, and then he's like, You know, every time you petrify me, my creaky bones feel better. So if you keep on doing this, this old fossil might live to see the end of this adventure. You, you shut the me. fuck up, <laughs> Kaseki! You're going to live forever! Oh, I'm dying, Christopher! <laughs> uh, I want no, you to...
1: you're not! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs>
0: I had cancer in 12 parts of my body before this adventure. And the stone
1: fluid got rid of it for you.
0: Nope, it's made nope. it even worse. <laughs> Turns out there's one thing it doesn't cure, and that's cancer of the pancreas. No! <laughs> Keep him in stone, we'll find a cure!
1: <laughs> oh no, you'll make it worse!
0: <laughs> so, while well, Kaseki's talking about that, Chrome's just like, Huh. You know, I, I had a thought, you know, to keep Kaseki alive a little longer. We could have just left him petrified because once we're dead for real, it's not like the Medusa device could bring you back. And Sukasa, in the weirdest way possible, like has a meaningful looking at someone talking as he's cracking out of stone. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that important plot point. <laughs> so uh, Sukasa wakes up too. And he immediately says to Senku, how's Hyoga? Because, of course, Hyoga was like the last person that Tsukasa was looking at. And he remembers the state that he was in uh, at the end of their battle. And so Senku says, yeah, he gets the last, the revival fluid. So they're like, yeah, okay, here we go. Everyone's going to be all together again. But Tsukasa's looking at this thinking, can Hyoga really be revived though? Um, So, oh man, did he actually die? Like Tsukasa thinks. They pour the revival fluid on him and yoga's fine gets he just stands up and i I like that
1: they also made him because they they gave everyone like little leaf clothing but they made sure to give him like a little leaf muffler to hide the bottom of his face like he wouldn't want to come back and everybody see his chin
0: yeah uh so everyone's like yay cool and uh chelsea is like hey yoga say your thing Come on, say it. Say it, Yoga. Say it. Say it. And Yoga's like, You've done well. And Joseph's like, Yay
1: Remember Nick? That classic Yoga line that he always says? That thing he always does?
0: He does say it occasionally, yes, but like Chelsea make acting like it's a big thing is just like can you just like not be here, please? Just like.
1: Guys, I think we have to free somebody again, and it's Chelsea.
0: <laughs> Turns out she's got cancer in <laughs> parts of her body. Uh, there is an incredibly brief we went hunting and got food for you guys. <laughs> Yoga and so guys just whoop and come back with pelts and <laughs> giant animals on sticks. And so they have a big picnic barbecue thing to celebrate everyone being back together. And is like, yeah, we'll, we'll resume our journey tomorrow, but tonight we feast to victory. Because, hey, good job. We fucking won that conflict. Good job, everybody. Um, and there is also a, a, a kind of vaguely depressing shot of Luna being like, Senku, love me. And Senku's like, good job, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> you did nothing. You were supposed to be very capable, and then you threw the one revival fluid away and lost the seven years. Thanks. Too bad Senku is low-key really nice. Or, yeah, he could have just said that, couldn't he? <laughs> um, Chrome brings up the point to Senku, like, hey, you still got the, got those cracks above your brows. I thought the petrification was supposed to get rid of those. And Senku's like, yeah, I guess the erosion got preserved. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so just Inagaki being like, I think it looks better with them. Or Boichi, I guess, rather than being like, I like drawing them. Absolutely. It's like, I'm not getting rid of these. Fuck you. <laughs> um... It looks like they may have gotten rid of the marks on Ryusui's fingers, though. So. Hmm. All right. So, uh, ho- however, again, you know, kind of realizes something that's uh, going on. He just says to Seku, hey, Sukasa, took a little bit of a stroll to the water wheel hut. And then he kind of distracts everyone so that uh, Segu can go off and have a private conversation, which, of course, immediately Chrome stumbles across because he needed to go and take a piss. Uh, and there's this big dramatic shot of them standing on. The moon is full over their heads because you know, moon, why man stuff. So, and Sukasa says to Senku, since he lost consciousness, Hyoga himself had no way to realize that back there he was really dead. And Chrome overhears this from his place in the bushes. is like, what the hell are you talking about? And Sukasa says enough time passed to be sure that my eyes didn't deceive me and Sek is like oh I believe you because you know you're Sugasa. so so he thinks about it and he says ever since you snapped my neck and I put you into cold sleep been tossing around a hypothesis and now we've got solid proof from this unexplained death defying experiment and Sugasa silently agrees the petrification can even nullify death which means at this very moment, we, the humans of Earth, all of us, are now immortal. Why man's Dr. Stone is a scientific taboo not meant for humanity, our own forbidden fruit.
1: It is an interesting question because I feel like at some point they're going to have to address the ethical implications of of potentially keeping people alive forever just by resurrecting them every time they die. Um,
0: but it is a very
1: curious quandary that's now been presented. And
0: I, I think that's going to be interesting to see how it play out. Yeah. The only way we've seen the people stay dead is if their, uh, remains are eroded to the point that they can't be put back together. So yeah. Um, this definitely seems like it's a big change and potentially it could have, uh, Uh, Implications for, you know, the origins of the petrification beam and why the Y man is doing what he's doing and all this other stuff. So we will have to see where all this goes, but it's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, reveal, definitely. So, all
1: right, let's move on to Mashal Magic and Muscles, chapter 63 Mash burned dead in the tall tower. Uh, So, uh, Innocent Zero and walberg are squaring off they've unleashed their Bonkai's and a bunch of swirling energies around them and innocent zero basically summons a bunch of zombie monster things to attack and he says i have no need of anyone but Mashburn dead i shall end you all here and all these all these monsters come out walberg does a spell does some kind of magic and basically frees mash uh lance margaret Gehana. And Dot, who has a very dumb expression on his face from uh, the sleep that they were put under, and he just says, "I will explain everything let- later. Protect the students." So he is going to die in this in this encounter. There's
0: a hundred percent certainty he is going to die here now. It really seems like he's going to die? Yes, I, I, I I've been getting those vibes since last chapter. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Uh, so they have a bunch of little tiny fight scenes. Uh, Gehenna just says, "Innocent zeros here. I've got to assist Wahlberg. Oh, but they're tough. Each one of them has the strength of a double liner. Why are there so many? And Mark, uh, Lance says, move your wand, not your lips. So he says, ah, you've left this in the hands of so few. And Walper just responds, I'd be more worried about myself if I were you. And does something, I believe, sends them into the air. Uh, And he says, here, we will not be interrupted. So... Uh, there's some, some concern on the ground because uh, they're not really clearing these things out as much as people wanted. And they're like, oh, well, support will come. We just have to hold on. And then there's a giant spike ball in the air uh, with a giant spiky tower under it. And they're like, what the hell is that? Oh shit, what's going to happen if that falls on us? And they're like, oh, I see the magic user behind that huge spill. He's up in the sky. I mean, way up there. And it's cell war. Um we see like a a bunch of uh, battles happening. Everyone's like, "Ah, now I." None of them are going after sweet little Mash. Hmm? Ah, yes, he's being lured into a trap. I suspect they possess a surefire way to stop him. And Dot's like, "Whoa, seriously? How do you do that?" Margaret says, "My woman's intuition." Dot says, "Sir, so girl, you know I was wondering about that. So I guess Margaret's trans,
0: uh, or just or- has a very
1: feminine or masculine appearance some of the time."
0: Don't know. I mean, it's not like her uniform is any different. Well, so
1: I have to go back because I was like, I was sure they did use male pronouns before, but I might have just been mistaken on that. And I, maybe I've been fucking up here. So,
0: oh, well, and even if they did, it is possible that it could have just been an assumption made by the translators because of the way the pronouns are used differently in Japanese okay. and English. And just, but yeah, so it's like, all right, there you go. There you does go. That mean, does that mean they're trans? Does it mean they're androgynous? I don't know. But they are definitely a woman, because she said so. so yes. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to
1: see who actually said it. I, I guess Margaret's actually one who says it, too. Anyway, leave his place to us. For real, you're the only one who could defeat Innocent Zero's heavy hitter up on that tower. I guess it's Dot, actually. Dot. So,
0: says that. Ma- I, do like, I, I do like Dot's reaction as well. I was like, oh, you're a girl? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: Mash dashes forward, sees the tower, and uh, Dain has like, a thought, like, oh, man, it's going to take him too long to get all the way up there. Plus, he'll be a target the whole time. And Mash just starts kicking sections of the towers away. And then, like, after he kicks it, the tower falls to fall. He just keeps kicking sections of it away. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we'll just play Dharma drop
0: with the tower. Cool. And uh, kicks I it off. All- I like how an idea from early Bleach that Ichigo came up with in order to defeat a Menos Grande which was considered too silly and impossible by Ishida, MASH is actually going to use, and it was successful because MASH (laughs) 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 always.
1: So uh, Cell War has encountered MASH. He says, ah, we meet again, MASH burned dead. Destroying my tower did nothing. You must defeat And MASH, (laughs) the greatest panel ever, (laughs) looks off to the side. He's like, yeah, it's been a while. We... uh (laughs) Sat next to each other at the entrance ceremony, right? Because he does not remember this guy. And I love the little lines under his eyes, show just how nervous he is about this as he's racking. He's like, Yeah, uh, hey, buddy, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I legit almost gave Mash on my series of the week just based off this panel, because holy shit, it's (laughs) fucking.
0: I wondered when I read this, like, did they actually sit next to each other at the engine ceremony? Then I had to look back and be like, oh, we never saw the engine ceremony. So if it turns out That they did, in fact, sit next to each other at the entrance ceremony. Then I wonder if that makes this even funnier, (laughs) if that's what MASH thinks instead of when they actually fought. I
1: just, I I love the little, it's the lines underneath
0: the eyes that gets me. It really shows how panicked he is about the, uh, uh, yeah, buddy. It's It's been quite a while. We meet again, MASH, Bernadette. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Hey
1: my I remember you. We (laughs) went to that Spanish class together. Yeah And then just (laughs) Selwar's face like you fucking forgot me. (laughs) (laughs) My name is (laughs) Selwar! You forget
0: that
1: great great chapter.
0: Yes. Let's go on then to the elusive samurai chapter 17 education 1334 Um I guess I called it <laughs> So a t- a double sword wielding uh warrior approaches uh Tokiyuki's group Ayaka and Kojo are trying to defend Tokiyuki they're standing off against him they engage in battle speed lines everywhere as their swords clash um and Tokiuki's like, oh man, he's so skilled and fast. Um and Genba is be like, We should leave. <laughs> uh especially because those guys with the torches, they're gonna surround us. So we should leave while the two of them are fighting him. But Tokiyuki watches as Kojo and Ayako fight against this guy, and they're holding their own, even though he's clearly superior because, you know, he's going one on two it's like oh man those two have grown so much stronger than they were six months ago and they're moving much faster and more powerfully than the way they're training me he's like wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) so he flashes back to some of his training sessions with kojiro and ayako so like kojiro you know he knocks over while they're practicing with you know wooden swords and kojiro's like hey you beat me about once every five times well done young lord And then Tokiyuki's like, Oh, well, don't you'll get hurt if you don't take me seriously. And Coach like, Yeah, I need to stay on my toes. And then, you know, also training with Ayako. And she's like, Oh, wow, young lord, you're even forcing me back. And he's like, Well, you train me, Ayako. And when I'm adult, it'll be my job to protect you. And Ayako's like, Doki Doki. Um, But then she like pats him on the head while she's blocking (laughs) with sword blows, which is kind of funny. So, and immediately, and suddenly toki is just like wait a minute they've been going easy on me for months <laughs> it took him this long to figure that out
1: i do love that like wait hold on like harvey like oh i can't you're gonna one day be so much stronger oh, no, and no. him like ah! and then I'm just like wait a minute am i not the strongest <laughs> i'm not a big strong boy
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we get that uh this Flashback from Kojo and Ayako's perspective of Yorishige talking to them and saying, Tokyuki's powers are not absolute. He is peaceful at heart, which breeds incaution, and there are many attacks he cannot dodge. Veteran warriors with much experience, unusual warriors with strange abilities, and warriors crossing the bounds of humanity. When confronting such monsters, even Tokyuki may be unable to escape. You two must stay sharp and continue to grow as samurai so you can protect your lord against any enemy. And we get this shot of the two of them fighting against each other with uh, scabbards over their katanas, training much more intensely than they did with Tokiyuki. So Yeah, now Tokiyuki realizes how much stronger they are, and he recognizes their abilities and is like I you know really respect them and envy them, and someday I too hope to fight so boldly. At that moment, however, as all three of them have like their swords pressed up against each other in a way that sword fighters actually very rarely did, um, the dual wielder happens to look past Tokiyuki and he sees Shizuku behind him. And so he disengages and he's like, is that Shizuku? And she's like caught by a guard and he's like, yeah, you fed me once. And now she recognizes him as Fubuki. And so immediately Fubuki lays down his swords, and he says, forgive my in- in- insolence, I didn't believe you were from the Suwa Grand Shrine. The other two seemed like such beasts that I took you for enemy scouts. And Ayako and Kodra are both like, who do you call a beast? It's like, I mean, it was kind of a compliment, but okay. Yeah. He introduced himself, and he says, I wander the land in search of a lord to serve. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, But he says that he arrived at the village three days ago, begging for food, and the village was under uh, attack by uh, a group bearing Ogasawara's standard, so I aided them. Small groups came three times, and we managed to defeat them. The villagers were in trouble with no supplies or horses to send for help. And so Kodra's like, Ah, okay, so the villagers are holding up the the torches over there, huh? And they're cowards who make you do all the fighting. And Vubuk is like... Well, don't be too harsh on them. And he summons them forward and all the people wielding torches are little kids. And he says, yeah, when I got here, the soldiers had already killed all the adults. So, yay! Series is for kids. (laughs) (laughs) So they realize like, oh, so if you're the only one who's actually been fighting, that means you actually wiped out all three forces that came and attacked you but fubuki is humble and he says no these kids they were indispensable because they've been distracting the enemy with torches they lured attackers into pitfalls and they've been manipulating decoys and stuff even small children can learn to do many things i'm gathering knowledge and polishing my skills and searching for a strong lord who can use me but perhaps i am more suited to evaluating and cultivating the skills of others if only I could find a lord who is in need of instruction. <laughs> and Toki he's like, that's me! I'm a lord who's in need of instruction! <laughs> um, and so he realized, like, oh man, this guy must be incredible, because if he taught all of these kids who had just lost their parents to get this good, this quickly, you know, with his help, I could, you know, reclaim the shogunate, and he can secretly teach me swordsmanship, and then those two will look at me with admiration. <laughs> I do really think that it's cute that like not reclaiming his, you know, position is the most important thing. It's like, my friends will look up to me. my friends will think I'm cool. <laughs> we cut away from the scene then to the group responsible for sending the warriors who att- have attacked this village. And apparently a survivor uh, from one of these attacks that Fubuki has repelled, as reported back, and uh, the leader is very cross with him, and he's like, five warriors should be enough to destroy a single village. Yet three raids on that village have not returned. Casually beheads the guy. And then picks his head up on the sword, and lets his blood drip down onto his head, and then drizzle down into a dish for kids. Uh, also, he's and... covered in ants. Are those ants? Yeah,
1: because like they're all... Oh,
0: yes, they
1: are. It's. Okay. I, I was like, that is by far the most fucking disturbing thing about him for me, is like the ants congregating to essentially a black hole around his chest. It's like, that's fucking horrifying.
0: Yes. And uh, this man says, if looting villages as bandits isn't going to get us any sake, we'll return to battle as warriors. All right. And I believe that this was the guy that uh, we saw meeting uh, ogasawara before so i believe so
1: interesting scenario um i will have to see what this new character's role is because it sounds a little too good to be true Mm -hmm. so part of me is almost waiting for like a shooter drop because again we already talked about like he already has instructors so why would they introduce the characters like i could be an even better instructor for you for the same things but yeah i don't know maybe we'll see
0: um maybe I'll just be killed, I don't know. Possible. Um and maybe he'll fulfill more of a specifically teacher role while Kai- uh Kojiro and Ayako just are more focused on specifically just being Tokiyuki's retainers and bodyguards. Um but I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll have to see how it all fits together.
1: Alright, Nick. Let's wrap up this week then with Black Clover page yes. 293. Smash Injustice. So we open the chapter with luck dashing through the Spade Kingdom Palace saying, this magic it's." And then we cut back to the fight with Magna and Dante. And Dante's just like, how dare you? You punched me in the face. You put my back on the ground! And uh, we get a little bit more. He basically like summons a bunch of rocks to try to attack Magna who- breaks them all aside and then he makes a a sword presumably out of gravity magic but uh immediately just becomes kind of a punching contest again and he just says go ahead steal half my magic with an underhanded spell then start a fight on equal terms you'll still take damage while i constantly regenerate in the end our original specs are completely different which is a weird term to use but
0: i guess spec still works there well, you see, uh, while uh, Tabata has been trying to take it easy, uh, Kishimoto's been riding Black Clover. it's <laughs> like, you've seen your stat
1: bars, right? <laughs> your characters have stat bar upgrades, don't they? And tech trees that they evolve into.
0: <laughs> and you can just make one, you know, turn the eight into an infinity. So <laughs> uh, he just says, you're not the one. No,
1: a grotesque creature like you could never bring me supreme joy. And Magnus says, yeah. Well, thinks to himself, yeah, that's right. I'm just a peasant. I wasn't born awesome like a uh, noble or royal. And I'm no and I'm not luck. He's a commoner, but he's got incredible instincts. Ever since he reincarnated as an elf, he keeps getting stronger too. And I'm also not like Asta, because he's got zero magic, but he does have anti magic, and that stuff's fucking broken and ridiculous. All I've got is and we see a flashback of him meeting Yami. And being like, hey, Yami, um, why did you let me join your brigade? It's like a very conveniently timed flashback because it happens right after they went to the heart kingdom. And Yami's like, it looks like we'd have common interests. Magna's just like, oh, I see. And then Yami says, also, because you look like the gutsiest one out there. So Magna thinks to himself, I will never, ever lose when it comes to guts. I can't stay down. I busted my brain to come up with this magic strategy and I trained for it like crazy. You've got no right to complain about it. And we just get a slug fest between these two characters. I'm going to blast you to smithereens loser. And Dante punches him in the face and he's completely healed. And he just says, do you see now this is reality, unfair, unequal reality. No matter how an inferior like you struggles, it's all pointless. And then all of his magic vanishes. And he's like, what? Where? <laughs> the devil's power is gone. What happened? And Magnus says, not a thing, you moron. You and me are both just out of magic. That's all. And I bet in your entire life with your monster magic, you've never ran out before. So if you've never had to fight anybody who has as much magic as you do, you didn't even realize you were burning through that much. Dante's like, my own magic's tapped out. So I lost my connection to Lucifero as well. uh, Magnus just like now you can't use any decent spell he's like I can't use gravity magic or my super regenerate and he tries to counter he's like but neither can (laughs) he just gets punched from below (laughs) and Magnus just connects right (laughs) and he's like no I cannot possibly lose not me not to a a nobody like you
0: and Magnus just thinks to himself shut up you psycho and at that and he also throws a cross across Magnus face and Magna just kind of, like, twists back against it which yeah. <laughs> punches him harder. It is an awesome shot. Uh, we then see Asta,
1: uh, Nature Book Flare, and Luck show up. And particularly, we, we close in on Luck and Asta, who witness, as Magna is standing victorious over Dante, the Soul Chain disappearing as Magna cries out in victory. And that's how the chapter ends. It's pretty awesome. It is. Honestly. a great fucking chapter. It's it's sincerely like an amazing sequence. And I love finishing it off with Asta and Luck being there to witness this victory. It's a very nice yeah. touch.
0: Yeah, their peasant trio buddy has just fucking kicked ass and beaten one of these three guys, you know, who... He was not supposed to be the one to beat.
1: No. <laughs> like, Nature Boy fires right there, and he wasn't able to beat him. And no. Jack the Ripper, the great hero Jack the Ripper, also was not able to beat this guy. But then a lowly, pleasant, like, uh, like Magna did it.
0: So what we need next chapter is literally for Zora to just go up to <laughs> Jack the Ripper. He's like, hey, you can fucking beat that guy, but that peasant did. How does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, my magic could code anything. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks to suck nerd. What did you do? Nothing. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um we there was a little bit of discussion about this happening on the Discord and people were like, Yeah, this is great. It's kind of weird how like when Black Clover was really good last year and it was setting all these cool things up, um, this was not one of the things that was set up at all, but it was yeah. still awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, because like we kind of know that yami is going to have to be the one to take down Zeno, and it seems almost 100 percent guaranteed noel will take down uh, verica but like dante didn't exactly have the same thing or if it was something you're like oh i guess asta will beat him for revenge on yami but it's like no the one member of the black bulls who's big like has always consistently gotten like the least focus instead got a super cool and important victory over him and it's so satisfying sorry you know not yami
0: I got a little confused, but I eventually put it together. But yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, it is one of the rare instances because we talk about Black Clover, and I'm always like, "It's like, yeah, it was cool in the moment, but I wish it had been set up and stuff like that." But this was literally just so cool and satisfying. It's like, I don't care that we had no idea Magnums <laughs> or were even going to show up until, like, two chapters of I don't care. He it punched is. dude until he got too tired, and then he fell over.
1: It's such a great way of ending it, too, where he's just like, you've never run out of magic before, have you? You've always been so blessed to have endless, seemingly endless reserves, but now that you've run out, you don't
0: know what to do. Yeah, but you can't use any magic here. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have nothing negative to say about it. It's great. So. Yeah, great chapter. That is it for the series this week. Unfortunately, One Piece is off this week. We'll have to find out what happens in that whole very complicated scenario next time. So we've got to figure out what our favorite series are this week. And there's no shortage of good, of good picks, I yes. feel like. I
1: prior to this was really considering undead unlock for my series of the week uh but I, I think i'm gonna give it to black clover i really really like this chapter black clover it's so much cooler reading it in the moment too
0: yeah for the sake of probably never going to do it again this year yeah black clover <laughs> <laughs> all right mark it on your
1: calendars guy may 26 2021 nick says he's never gonna get black clover another chapter
0: of the week uh, uh so there you go if you uh my advice for Black Clover being great is forget all this. I have three different types of magic bullshit. Have them punch each other. Yes. Um, and that's it.
1: So. That is a surefire way to win our hearts. Uh, my character char- of the week. MVP. Character of the week. I'm doing do the tree. Pete. Magnus going to get my character of the week. It's, it's sure. just too awesome of a scene for him.
0: I am going to go with Sakan from I till C because he was (laughs) so
1: helpful. (laughs) It would be fucking really funny if you
0: did. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give mine to Naputaku, because he was a- absolutely wonderful in this chapter of Magushan, and uh, very amusing. So Excellent.
1: The audience, by the way, agreed with us on Black Clover, and then agreed with me on Magna for the character of the week. So, very, uh, a very big Black Clover heavy award week. This, I think, was a, a really great chapter, so I'm glad it's, it's getting mm-hmm. to love it. It really deserves.
0: Stands out all the more, because we've been pretty down on Black Clover compared to... Uh, more recent times. So, uh-huh. all right, guys, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> what a time for that to happen. <clears throat> oh my, that is going to do it for weekly manga recap. We want to thank you guys for tuning in here on twitch.tv slash where we record the show live on Wednesday evening, starting usually around seven 30 ish. If you want to stay updated and when exactly the show goes live, however, you can follow us on Twitter at Rolo at Nick time, and at WMR podcast. And you can also do- join our discord channel, People let you know uh, when the stream goes live and you can join in then. And through that Discord stream, you can find all sorts of fun stuff. There's a great community on there that has discussions of the manga as the chapters come out. Uh, when jump comes out on Sundays, for example. Uh, there are discussions about the manga that are being recapped at the time. And uh, there are uh, weekly gaming meetings, which is kind of in flux right now as people are trying to figure out when it is a good day that works for a lot of people. But uh, great well, they still, we,
1: we still do Saturdays. That's still uh, a thing. There's okay. just an interest in also finding another day that works for more uh, American, I guess, audiences mm-hmm. who maybe don't want to wake up at like 9 a.m. on a Saturday.
0: Yeah, seriously. But
1: yeah. come on, guys. You're used to it. You woke up for Jowlin Showdown, Jackie Chan Adventures. You can't wake up for some Among <laughs> Us and <laughs> Scriblio, or whatever
0: uh also you can use that to find the google doc that is maintained by ninja x3i which keeps track of all sorts of stuff associated with the podcast including past recommendations and uh, mvp votes and all that stuff uh and also it has a spot to leave recommendations for future series for us to go through so a very helpful information doc there uh we also would like to thank people who help make the show what it is our support is on patreon patreon.com slash weekly manga recap who allows us to create bonus content with your financial support. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Steve Mann, who creates artwork uh, for the show. You can find his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. And Milo Jack Stillitz and Lindsay Del Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap, as appears on our YouTube channel. YouTube is one of the many places that you can find Weekly Manga Recap, along with iTunes and Spotify and basically anywhere that podcasts can be listened to. Weeklymongerrecap.podbean.com is the podcast hub basically for us.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, that's gonna do it then for weekly manga Recap this week, everybody. Um, I guess uh, I don't know, go watch your basketball game or whatever is going on. <laughs> <Yeah. or> whatever's <laughs> on right now. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what ha- Normally we finish mm. this and I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll watch the last fifteen minutes of AEW. But uh, yeah. Now, uh, now I guess I'll I don't know, just stare at the floor a while. <laughs> 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 like, what's going on down there? Oh my god, I should really clean.
0: Goodbye, everybody. I guess that's it. I